part two. We're all dried off. In fact, listen, if you haven't listened to part one, just do it. <sighs> Poor AJ. How you feeling, buddy? I'm fine. Good. See, you, sometimes you get used to taking a beating, right? I mean, <laughs> I like that. I like that you can do that. <laughs> we're gonna start. <laughs> we're gonna start today's show or today's this episode with our best. Fez got four best bets. You might say, "Wait, RJ, you're not even done with that thing you did the last thing." And AJ maybe needs a little bit more attention. No, we think we got to start hot because we want to keep the energy up. So, Fez, you got four bets in week two, three, and four. Yes. I, and so two in one week, I'm guessing. Two in week two. I, and you want to almost do a peer review as in, hey, does this make sense to you guys? Yes. Bet number one. Bet number one. Week two, Dallas Cowboys minus two and a half hosting the New York Jets. Like this bet for two reasons. Number one, well, the Cowboys are just better than the Jets. The Cowboys, I think, have a reasonable home so field. So what's the win total say? Uh, Dallas 10.2, Jets nine and a half. That's a pretty big difference. Pretty big difference. So, all things being equal, this line should be three already, just based upon that difference. And this game's in Dallas? Difference. The game's in Dallas. So, they're saying these are almost even teams, Dallas by a smidge, because home field's dropped down. Exactly. But I like the spot also for Dallas. Look at the Jets. Who do they play week one? They're playing the Bills. They're hosting the Bills Monday night football. Huge game for the Jets. And then they got to wheel back the next week, week two, short week, and go to Dallas uh, I can't see how this line – I could see if you want to try to make this line three and a half, I could buy that. No way can you make it two and a half. We're going to lay the two and a half with Dallas. Here's the thing. I like this even more for a reason you haven't even said, which is if I said what's the Jets' power rating going to be in week two, what's it going to be in week ten? The Jets build over the course of the year as they yeah. get used to Rodgers. Yeah, yes. my thought is this is an upward trending I – mean, remember, Rodgers had trouble – and uh, when when the new offense came three years ago Ooh, that's with LaFleur, he started kind of slow. He's older. Ayahuasca, who knows what. And the whole not playing in the preseason week one has just been, has been like a, a learning curve. Remember, they, they lost that game when they had to go to – they had to play the Saints in Jacksonville. And they lost that game to the Saints in week one. 38-3. Okay. Yeah, 38-3. And it was because Rodgers didn't play that whole mm. preseason. Yeah, that and that. If I'm not mistaken, that game, that was. Oh, you said it. Even it wasn't even it was at in a normal home. Yeah, because yeah, it was the uh, a hurricane or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So why is it, my first question though is why is this line what it is? It, it, makes, it just seems off. It's because Dallas's season win number open soft season win number open nine and a half. And then they so this put is a, a derivative market that, that just hasn't caught up. That's right. So they based it upon the opening season win number for Dallas, and now Dallas is catching, I think, rightfully so, a lot of steam upwards to ten point two. And Hall is a key part of the Jets, mm-hmm. and if, if he may be slowed, he mm-hmm. may not, you know. So you know, Fez, as we've been waiting to get my piece of these, I'm gonna, I, I want to latch on to that baby. Is you're, that fair? You're, you're, you're in. Absolutely. Right, so what did they take? Two dimes? Already bet it. All right, great. We're in. All right. See, this this will tell you if I'm if I like it. If I want to, if you want, if you want your money on it, yeah. All right, next. <laughs> one. I guess you, we need we need another button. The, well, th- the, this the, is one S against the bookies. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. All right, week two, we stay week two. Denver Broncos. I love this bet. All right, mm-hmm. Denver Broncos hosting the Washington Football Team. Mm. Denver 
is laying three and a half, but at DraftKings, minus 170 was what the money line was. Minus 175. Minus 175. I would much rather lay minus 175. Still minus three and a half on the spread? Correct. Yeah, so I'll lay the 175. That's the better bet. You know, Denver has a long history, weeks one and two, Mm -hmm. at home, of winning games. Bottom line, and it makes sense. We talked about this. Teams aren't in football shape. They don't in camp. They don't. Um, they don't hit with the pads. Then they don't play in preseason. They're not ready to go. Well, where does the, this lack of conditioning show up the most? In altitude, in Denver. So Denver has won the majority of their games, weeks one and two, to start the season. And look at the disparity between these teams. Washington is no. Is, Let's talk about the early season first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a trend that goes way back. So I think you could say it's been exacerbated by maybe some of the conditioning trend lines in the league and the, the amount of intensity of the of the camps and stuff. So if anything, I think it's more powerful now than it was in the past. Yes. And historically, it's powerful. I'll, I'll look it up as you're talking about the next one to get the exact numbers. Um, what I was fearful of in recent years, it feels like it's gotten around enough that, that the line was starting to be adjusted accordingly but this three and a half doesn't seem to speak to makes that. Makes no sense at all because what's the what, what's the relative power of these teams? Well, Denver's easy. Denver's an, an average team. Their season win numbers eight and a half. So they put them put put them in terms of a power rating. There is zero. Washington is garbage. I mean, Washington is a good. Well, they've dropped almost a full game, right? So yeah. What do you have their current number? At? Their current number six point two five, which would make them like three and a half points worse than an average team. So what the power ratings, what the season win numbers are saying. This on a neutral site, Denver should be laying three and a half, and the line's three and a half in Denver in altitude where they've been so good. And like I said, the money line's even better, minus one seventy five on Denver. And Denver's home in week one as well, so they'll they'll be home the whole time. So let's let's think this through for a second now, because we've jumped on a lot of things, but this is good. Number one. Tell us how you did the calculation to say, oh, they'd be three and a half. So with the win, how do you convert win total? Explain how you can convert win totals to points. Yeah, so pretty much I start with the best team in the league being like a six, mm-hmm. typically, and the worst team in the league usually so is a plus six over an yeah, average team. It's like a minus six, which would be but, – but Arizona's kind of historically bad right now, so I'm a minus seven. So um, – and I'm just pretty much – I prorate then – if a team's like in between those season win numbers of those teams. So Washington is like halfway, like Arizona's a four and a half. All right. An average team's an eight and a half. Washington's a six and a half. So if Arizona's a minus seven, Washington's a minus three and a half. Okay. So you're saying you eyeball the distribution and you try to allot points to the distribution. Yes. Because right. you think the points are going to be between, like, there's a 13 point range. How many games range? Is it is it that linear to you? Yes. Okay. I don't know if it's 100% accurate. Back of the envelope, it's close within a quarter of a point. Okay. So you're saying on a neutral field, what should the line be in this game? Denver minus three and a half. All right. Home field is – right, that's it on a neutral. Home field typically, let's give it two. What do you give this early season phenomenon? Two and three quarters. So you're only at about three quarters. Yeah. All right. So now we're. Do you saying, agree with that? Do you think that I would think it's more than that, yeah. uh, more than three quarters of a point alone. But um, and I'll get the numbers in a sec. But so what we're saying here is potentially if we just call it three, let's say just uh, instead of two. And so three. now we get to six and a half. Yeah. So, so we, what we're saying is there's there's three and a half points of value here. Yes. Not to mention Washington with a rookie quarterback that's only started one game. It doesn't seem like week two on the road is going to be the best spot for him. Not at all. Huh. 
So why is this line what it is? It's because Washington was much more well thought of when the season win number opened so it's, up around it's lagging seven. Again, exactly right. And this is a common theme. I'm looking basically when I'm going in here. I'm I'm basically looking to bet against teams like Washington, the Raiders, the Rams, teams that have gotten va- where their valuations have dropped precipitously. And the season win market, but their but their games of the year numbers have stayed stagnant. Now, explain to me your thinking on the minus one seventy five. Like, talk us through broadly how you know wh- when to play the money line, when to play the lay price or the spread. Right. So when a flat three, a minus three, minus one ten, plus three, minus one ten, the money line is typically dealt minus one sixty, plus one forty. All right. So if I go to minus three and a half, we know going off the three is worth right around twenty cents. So the money line has to be worth at least twenty cents. It's actually a little bit more. I won't get into the complexity of why, um, but it uh, it has to be minus one eighty or a little bit above that to be a comparable line to minus three and a half. And here it's less than minus one eighty. So what do you think? We're getting like upwards of ten cents of value because yeah. of, of that. Exactly. Okay. I, I I would say if if I had to choose between minus three and a half and minus one. 82, I'd be indifferent between the and two. And considering the total on this game that's not posted is probably pretty low, right? It is posted. I, that's an excellent point. I should have looked at that, and I did not. Uh... It's not on DraftKings. Yeah, but Washington, I mean, let's. I mean, you can look at it as you're talking, but Washington-Denver. Pull up circa. Uh, you know, you would, I'm guessing, let me guess here. I'm going to guess 43. I was going to guess 43. All right. I'm not making that up. <laughs> and again, I'm no totals expert. I want to get better at totals. AJ, when he's looking this up, tell us something about a, just a college nugget. Just give us a college nugget. A college nugget. Yeah. Um, I guess. Oh, maybe, there's no totals this week, too. I'm so stupid. So 43. College 43. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess maybe that you, you were unaware of this, so maybe other people are unaware of it, that there's no – uh, QB debate. There's no QB battle at the University of Texas this year. It is locked Ooh. in that Quinn Ewers is the number one starter. At well, Texas. who would be in a battle? Arch Manning, well, or Malik Manning's nephew, nephew, or Malik Murphy, who's also pretty highly regarded. You think Malik Murphy's going to start over Arch? That dude's jacked. <laughs> Malik Murphy's a freak. You think Arch is going to be on the bench his junior year? No. <laughs> what year is this? The freak guy. What year? Is uh, he? He's a sophomore. Is he Solon? No. Okay. I have a quick question for AJ College. There's two teams that always seem to be massively overrated, Texas and Miami of Florida. They always seem to underachieve. Why? Are they just hyped programs? What's going on? I think, I mean, do you not put USC in that category? Do you not put basically every big program in that category? Notre Dame? Uh, the the teams Ohio that, State's not typically overrated. The teams that draw public money, you have to play. You have to pay a premium on. Alabama think, has no think, problem covering. I think it's more than that. I think it's legacy big names. Yes. that's dropped off. Right? That's and they, what and it they is. keep their brand. Notre Dame's a great example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, except and, Notre Dame's made multiple national title games in the last ten years. Uh, yeah. USC was a great example pre Lincoln Riley. It looks like they found the right coach and they're heading well, in the right how many direction. Did they win last game last year? Uh, ten. They're they're headed in the right direction. I yeah, said they're they not are, back. They Some are. people think of Ohio State and Alabama as like like top five team and they're always in contention and they still are. And now that makes sense that Miami, Florida, Notre Dame. Uh, USC are the type of teams that they can just fall off a cliff compared to that that high, lofty expectation. Okay, so we said the following. Let's make it a Broncos game. It's home, and it's either week one or two. Yes. All right, we go back to 1990. 22 and 12 ATS plus 
six points. Here's what's fascinating, though. Five pushes in that time. So 22, 12, and five. Now, the average line is favored by four and a half. Straight up, 34 and five. Wow. So now here's what's amazing. Here are the most recent years. A loser, (laughs) a push, a push, loser, push, win, push. There's been four pushes. This is a good team to tease. In the last, well, it seems like the money line. The money, money line, line yeah. But what I suspected as I saw these numbers, you know, come out over the last couple of years is, hey, people caught up to this, so they were, uh, you know, laying point spread tax, yeah, extra they, they, point, yeah. And it, it it strikes me that if that's the case, the money line also looks good. But this doesn't feel like there's a premium on it. No. What's your guess of what this closes at? Six. Yeah. Right. Well, especially if they have a good performance in week one against Vegas. I'm in. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Doing a good job of convincing RJ. So <laughs> yeah, we, I, I'm stubborn on shit. Yeah, RJ's a tough sell, he'll, he'll, but he'll agree <laughs> with I'm it. I'm low volume. Yep. Yeah, you're gonna, Scott's getting in baseball. Yeah, you're going to agree with this one. Week three, your Pittsburgh Steelers oh, I don't know. are at our Las Vegas Raiders right here at Allegiant Stadium. The Steelers are minus one. I don't like that at all. Minus one and a half. Minus one, what money line? Minus one twenty. One twenty-five. I'll lay the one twenty-five. Um, it's real close, though. So. I'm uh, out. I'm here to hear well, the explanation. Don't you want to hear the explanation? I'm, I'm listening. All right, Steelers. Mm-hmm. Their season went open eight and a half, but it's up to nine. They're okay. supposed to be. I don't know if you know this. Like, like um, exclusive research here at pregame has concluded that Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny? Since you said they were the 29th team of the league, they've been straight up. They got pissed off. <laughs> Um, I forgot about that. Uh, So Pittsburgh's a nine-win team. The Raiders are dropping like a rock Mm -hmm. in terms of market expectations. They're a six and a half. Now, if they were a seven, this is a tried and true method. Whenever a team is supposed to win two more games than another team, if they've got comparable strength of schedules, the road team should be a three-point favorite. And in this case, Pittsburgh's more than two points better projected wins than the Raiders. So they should be slightly more than a three-point favorite, like 3.25. Okay, well, what could justify them being less? Well, Vegas might have a really great home field advantage, but they don't. Pittsburgh travels with the best of them. There's tons of Pittsburgh fans throughout the country, including Los Angeles, that are going to come to this game, not to mention the people looking to just to, as an excuse to get out of Pittsburgh, sorry, RJ, and go to Vegas and party. Half Why the, don't they go see a Pirates game in that beautiful state? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so half the crowd, at least, at least half the crowd are going to be Steeler fans. So there's a minimum home field advantage in this game. Uh, Pittsburgh, I, I bold prediction, they're going to close minus three. With extra vig, and we're laying one Steelers. Couple things here: Steelers are coming off a Sunday night game the week before, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is a Sunday night game as well. Oh, I mean, they're coming off a Monday night game. I'm sorry. Yeah. So the Steelers well, are on a short week. Crashes uh, less rest time. That's right? true. Yeah. So the Steelers are coming off a Monday night game. They're also coming off a Monday night game against the Browns. So divisional game, excellent taxing. Point. That could well explain. What's the, Brown, what's the Browns' record in Week One? Well, this is week two. The week, oh, this is a week oh, two this game. This is a week yeah. three game. Yes. Oh, no, but what I'm saying is the Browns against the Steelers might not be. No, I mean the joke is the Browns are like one in yeah. twenty two. The first. Okay. Game. Yeah. So, but it, it's oh, the week two game. Oh, right. Monday night football. Uh, Steelers hosting the Browns. So RJ oh, oftentimes well, asks, well, why is the line this way? And so what's happening is that the odds maker, I think, did take a peek at this. So it, so it is a bad spot for Pittsburgh, but it doesn't matter. The, 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 when I say it doesn't matter, because the, the 
the line being dealt is so um, completely off versus the power ratings, it cannot be that low. But now let's look at it from another perspective. The Raiders start the season in Denver. Week two, they go cross-country to Buffalo. Oh, and two. And then they come home, their home opener, Sunday Night Football, week three, Steelers. It's a bad spot for the Raiders. But don't we have a trend on the teams to start away, away to start the season and their third game is home? What they do in that that first you know, home I game? I check that. I don't remember that, but I, I kind of vaguely do. But yeah. let's continue, and then I'll I'll do that. I would also say that, like the one thing that it does work for Fez here is kind of what you said about the Jets Raiders breaking in a new quarterback. So if you're going to attack the Raiders, attack them earlier in the season. Yeah, but when you have Jimmy G going back to his coach. That's true. I mean, I think it's a less of a learning. And Jimmy G is very cerebral. If anything, he's not going to be hurt probably by game three. And probably did no ayahuasca in the offseason. I, I would think not. Who knows, though? Um, here, I mean, my my retort, or not. I don't like the other side, but here's why I'm not interested, is I'm not sure why the Steelers are getting money. Like, if I objectively said, what's changed about Pittsburgh from What's the, changed? What's changed from the <laughs> opener? What would you say? Or I'm sorry, from the opening line, win total. The I think just the narrative that's so widespread that Tomlin always he never has a losing season. So how are they not going to win nine? Okay, so that reinforces that it's a narrative. Yes. Okay, and I would make the case that I don't sell low, and I uh, the Raiders are as low as I mean they're shockingly. Dis, not disregarded, not, not well regarded right now. In terms of their season win number. Yeah. But I would argue... Which is you're using to calculate... You, well, yeah, but when I calculated, I'm coming up with 3.25, and I'm getting a line to... I'm getting a team at one, you know, so... See, I, in general, don't think... And I'm not... Listen, Fez, you're, you're great. Like, these marginal bets, as I would consider them, that's where you make your... That's where you really establish your expertise. Like I'm like the guy that can play maybe a decent level of hold'em, but I want to be in comfortable situations. I'm not, I don't want to be in a three-handed game at four in the morning. You're willing to look at all these wild situations, do quick calculations. And, and setting up middles. I'll lay and, the minus 125, and I'll be like, you know, you don't like it. Yeah, we always play back plus one forty-five and just earn off of it. And, and again, you're—that's one of the reasons you're—you're you're one of the best at this. That's not me. I want to have an edge, and I just want a night. I want a margin of safety, and really, I don't want to. I—I think the Steelers are getting too much love, and I think the Raiders are not getting enough. See, that's I, why I actually like this bet because you're right. The Steelers are going to be getting too much love. So when, I'm thinking come week three in, in the win total market. I agree with you, but this, it's not in the spread end, but it will be baked into the spread come week three. This, I'm, I think, I'm going to get three and a half. So I, really I think do. I did. I think I did this right. Week equals three, right? Previous away, and then right. P E P A P P away. So I'm, I'm doing this. Uh, I got as I've looked at this. Scott is the away away historically to start the season. Then week three at home is bad. You look at it. From 2012, not so bad. It's down about one and a half points. So it's certainly a spot to avoid, not a trigger bat, another, but another good good thing for Fez's side. For Pittsburgh, week Wh- three. Yeah, which I am going to stay agnostic on. All right. Next one. Last one. Final one. All right, let's go to – by the way, we're, we're finishing September. I always think about it, it's late September, and I really should be back betting the NFL. <laughs> something like that. Um, wake up, Maggie. October 1st, week four, Rams at Indianapolis. Right, let me make a line on this. Rams at Indianapolis, week four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to say two, two, Indy two. All right. Indy was plus one. Is it still plus one? 
Still plus one. Indy plus one. Wrong team favored. Slam dunk. Two comparable teams. I got the home team in Indianapolis. I got a team that has to fly all the way across the country in the Rams. As long as I get them at pick or better and I'm getting plus one, I'm going to bet Indy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a gander at their schedule beforehand. So who do you expect to be playing for Indianapolis at quarterback, Fez? I don't know. Who who would you want to play? Min, Minshew. Okay. But I don't, I don't care that much. So Minshew... Richardson, even a third game of a career, potentially, you think toss-up? Eh, Minshew one point better. Okay. All right, so Rams. Something like that. Scott, can you give me the schedule? Yeah, the Rams, uh, by the way, are coming off of a Monday night oh, game I actually at did Cincinnati. This. So they're going to they're gonna stay in the Midwest they're, because they're playing Monday night. I'm almost for sure they haven't disclosed this at Cincinnati. So it's a short week, which is really bad. Back to back road, but what's good is they they're going to bond and do. Where, where where are the where are the two? So Cincy that's good Andy. for the Rams. Right? Yeah, that's good. For, well, it's good for the Rams, but it's bad. They had, it's a Monday night game because they've they've they're, they're losing out on the day. Colts will be Colts will be at Baltimore the prior week. Okay, yeah. To me, that double shot with the Rams with a young team, I'm passing. I I mean, you're becoming more bullish on the Rams anyway. I I here's what I know. When I listen to. I think it was the play callers. They said that the thing that that that, that uh, Shanahan's a better innovator on the chalkboard, and you could make the case that what the Rams ran into post Belichick Super Bowl was him not having ideas about you know how to change the offense now that this adjustment's been made. But they said no one in football is as good at spotting coaching talent. Mm. Like, think about Staley. Whatever you want to say with him, Staley was an innovator on defense. I hear people really know their stuff saying Staley's doing amazing stuff at the Chargers on D. And they were the first ones to figure out how to start Miami last year with a very unique scheme. So let's accept Staley was like a John Carroll or something. Not that I don't remember. He he was plucked out of almost nowhere to be a a D.C. And he was there one year and became a head coach. I think you could make the case that, that, that... uh, the Rams and and um, oh, I'm having a McVeigh. McVeigh. You know what's funny? I've been having trouble with McVeigh's name, like for five years. I don't know why. <laughs> Cofield used to call him the boy genius. So when I would fail, I'd go the yeah. boy genius. <laughs> but <laughs> McVeigh is the greatest spotter of talent. He almost redid his entire staff. Like if you look at how many new coaches they have, it's like almost all of them. I think McVeigh's going to be the guru. He's going to be the senior guy, and he's going to drive those people like you can't believe. Won't be the boy genius anymore, then. It's fine. <laughs> I had to remember his name. <laughs> but I, I think the Rams could really have like a college-type year, meaning raw, raw, let's do it. Let's, let's start the next generation of Rams. Because why else is, is McVeigh there? If not for the long haul, he was offered massive money supposedly to go to Amazon. Then last year he had a bad year. They said he almost had like a physical reaction to losing, where he couldn't deal with it. It was like he was going to have a heart attack. And it, and we all know that it's unlikely they're going to be Super Bowl contenders this season. So he's clearly like long haul expects mm-hmm. to be in this. Thing. And he's trying to build a foundation. And to me, you, the way you do that was with diligence and discipline. And I just feel like it's going to be a great environment. So. I don't know. Fez, you think they might trend down. I think they might trend up during the year. I think they're fragile. It depends on their health on offense. Bad teams are fragile. Most teams are fragile, right? I mean, mm. the 49ers weren't last year. That was Most rare. Most good teams are, are fragile. I don't know the bad teams. 
they're they're kind of like they could lose some guys. and It doesn't matter that much. Yeah, but not their best guys. Well, if they don't have any, you good said guys. if Cooper Cup gets hurt, the Rams are in trouble. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to think. Let me use. I, I don't know if it, if any injury to Houston really matters all that much. By example. Well, then they shouldn't have traded like four <laughs> yeah. picks for that. Yeah. I think Bryce Young matters, or excuse me, CJ Stroud matters to them. Does he? Like, I mean, it does, I think does he's he? right. It doesn't matter to maybe their win total this year. Davis Mills, CJ Stroud, who cares? Well, they they certainly did. They Long weren't, term, it's different. But it's yeah. six and a half. There's clearly some expectation that CJ Stroud is going to be better than Davis that, Mills. That's not driven by. Let's just say this. I think over the course of the year, CJ Stroud in week 12 has a higher power rating. Than Davis Mills. Yeah, AJ's AJ's right as the year progresses, but I not think early, not as okay. much. Yeah, but I think most of the jump is the deep the optimism, the coach and optimism about the defense is yeah. what I sense. Um, but though I do, we talked about this bet in pre-production. So it's uh, it's the three quarterbacks, and it was which one starts the most games. Yes. Yep. Yep. Stroud, Richardson, or Bryce Young. And I like Stroud because I love Stroud. Yeah, and it's plus one twenty five. One thirty five. Okay. Richardson, obviously, he may or may not start the mm. the year. That's at Bet Online. Okay. All right. And um, and I also think Richardson is a very physical player. But hey, you take a a, a concussion. You know, it feels like he's going to take more hits. What's right? the, What's the dead heat rules if there's a tie? Apart. No action. Oh, all right. Okay. Um. When it comes, so so wait a minute. Yeah. But if two of them tie, and if I bet on all three, I go I go oh one and two. I don't know, Fez. I didn't put the bet out. Ask. I, I I would think so. So so if two guys tie, I don't get anything. Like if I bet on the winner, but if it, I bet this on is the like lo- one of your teasers that you try to put a bad tease. Like you lose the first leg and then you put. Yeah, yeah. I th- I, th- I think if you bet all three and two of them tie, you're going to lose one bet and you're going to tie the other two and you don't have any winning bets. So who will start? More games if tie no action. So that's saying if there's any. Oh, okay. Tie, yeah. All right, okay. you're good then. Huh? Yeah. But but, I, look, but look at the, look at the the big in this. Look at these dastardly cockroaches, RJ. If I bet all three and the underdog wins, Anthony Richardson, I break even. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I lose. Yeah, but the real question is: is is Stroud better than is Stroud like a forty six percent chance? If so, plus one thirty five is enough to bet it, right? That's what I care about. Right, I'm I'm just saying that that the inherent I get, the inherent I get, I get the way huge. I get the way like someone from the book you're reading. Right when we were we what's RJ's book Scotty Scheffler we were wise guys and didn't know it. Okay, back there there's going to be a lot of people talking about that you can't do this because the vig on parlays is too much. And you know what? They were wrong about a lot of that stuff. Right, because basically, basically you're saying Anthony Richardson should be eight to one or something. I don't know. Something I just really all high. I know it, what, what, wouldn't you agree that if we had a model. That could objectively put values on these. The question isn't the vig. The question is, does our model say that we are uh, have a profitable bet here? Yes. And do you? And and I don't know if we, I'm not going to bet this. I don't think. I think I would if it was down the street. I, I don't bet on bet online, but um, I would bet. Do you want to book me? Yes. You want C.J. Stroud plus one thirty-five, or you want to say you want to book? No, that C.J. Stroud minus one thirty-five. All I right, do. Fez. I thought your wife said you couldn't bet against me. She'll she'll let me bet this one. Oh. <laughs> Uh, well, wait a minute, though. Push hold the button on. for me, too. I want some of that action on Fed. Okay, but hold on. Let me negotiate something here. I, it's against the law for us to, to have any VIG. So we got to take – how do we handle the VIG? How's this sound? I, I, I agree. If we take the VIG out, you've got a good bet. All right, so this yeah. is what I'll say. You were saying how onerous the VIG is. I think you give me 15 cents, and you don't think there's 15 cents of VIG in this? No, there's like – 
I think there's way more than fifteen. So give me fifteen cents and plus one. No, because I just the reason I wanted to to, to book it was just because of the vague. It's it, it's so vague. I I agree with your handicap one hundred percent. I just don't think it. I didn't know. I wasn't confident. You, could but just for legality sake, you got to give me one forty. Fine. All right. You want a piece? of I this? want a piece of that. <laughs> just let me finish the negotiation. I would have did it at 135. I don't like breaking the law. <laughs> so, fa- fa- see, that's his style, which he's good at. He can say, this is a scenario. I'm not going to get into all the details, but I think it's going to be so hard to overcome this vig. Go ahead, bet away. It's like playing It's like playing blackjack a 6-5 to five game. It could still be beatable. And I'm being lazy saying that's 6-5. to five. We But don't in that play case, that. that's you having less volume. This is you yeah, having more volume, right. which is what scares me. But I will say this. He does it exceptionally well. Yeah. And I'm stubborn. I like to go overs on win totals of the AFC teams or the NFC teams just to show him all those rules don't dictate. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if they did, this would be boring. Yeah. You know? It's the, it's the AFC teams that have only the eight home games. No. I well, think. Did I no. mix it up? NFC, did I mix it up? Yeah. I'm, oh, I, AFC has nine. Thank you. But the Jets have ten. That's a there you go. Because one of the games is against the, one of the right. road games is against the Giants. So I was Fe- thinking about Jacksonville. That's where I yeah. got confused. So Fez, two, two, and- two for two with or two out of four with mine. Yes, I I don't I wouldn't fade you on any of them. To summarize the ones that RJ endorsed, week two Denver minus one seventy five, hosting Washington. Dallas minus two and a half, hosting the Jets. RJ will pass on Pittsburgh minus one and a half at Las Vegas, and he will pass on Indy plus one hosting the Rams week four. Though I'm generally bullish on Indy. Um, this is a good segue to my Washington conspiracy, and I'll say this fast. I don't think anyone thinks the head coach for Washington is going to be there next year, right? Riverboat Ron Rivera, <laughs> probably not long for that job. No, He is the third favorite to be the first head coach fired in the NFL. He's probably not long to be a coach in the NFL. I mean, the guy's in his, what, mid-60s? He's probably run its course. Yeah. I mean, this might be his valid victory type. Not even Only that. 61. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Huh, maybe a D.C. or something. He seems a lot older than Doesn't me. he? Well, I guess he had, I mean, you know, unfortunately for him, he had the cancer yeah. he fought and everything. Um, he, he's a little hefty, too. He's got a flashy face, I think. <laughs> All right, so... You've got a owner that is a very savvy operator with the Sixers. Who knows what's going on? Yeah, who knows what's going on with the guy from that sells all the memorabilia that used to be a Sixers owner? The Fanatics one. Yeah, and now he has the white party every July, and it's Michael Rubin. It's like the mafia Hmm. where there's like who spotted there. Remember Godfather One? They take the picture, and Sonny takes the camera, and he goes, "Damn FBI guys, don't respect nothing." (laughs) Well, it feels like that. Everyone's figuring out who's there. I don't know what Rubin's out. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole easy. Yeah, yeah. So, well, what he, I'm he saying sold is, his shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then supposedly the back door. The rumor was allegedly Harden's getting money back door. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> all right, let's just say that we can't say all. He's not can't say for with certainty. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. All right. So would it be? And I'm saying I'm not saying this happened. I'm saying could you imagine it happen? That somehow they say to Ron, listen, you we you know there's a guy I'd like to give a year to maybe. You know, maybe this should be your last day. You know, you'll get a, a slight severance package on the way out the door. Or store this thing for the next, you know, seven or eight months. At that time, most likely we're going to want our own guy in. But you know that. And here's the perks. 
oh, by the way, it's very important to us that that fifth-round quarterback, you know, that played one game as an afterthought last year when you didn't know if we made the playoffs or if we were eliminated or not, he needs a start. Every game. And you know what? Washington wasn't winning anything anyway. And what was interesting about that owner, he came in and said what last week, Scott? Just wise was, how would you say he was attaching himself to the results this season? He was not. He was saying uh, that they're new to this, like they came in late, that most of the impact that you have as an owner has already happened at this point in the season. That's whatever happens isn't his yeah. responsibility. Boy, that sounds like it's a perfect time. If you're ever going to tank. Yeah, well, if you're ever going to put out the suboptimal lineup, that would be the time. And let's be candid. This owner, if there's ever a time fans are not going to turn on a team because of any result, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this Washington honeymoon. The Ding fans are dong, so excited about this. Dead. I mean, yeah, I've never seen a fan base so excited to get rid of an owner. It's wild. And even people that aren't part of the fan base saying the great national tragedy is, oh, you know. It, night, the, the nightmare is over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not the macho man. So, so to me... Him being an, a hedge fund guy, a guy that plays the odds. What's the win total done, Fez? Down to 6.25 from a starting point of 7. So Down pretty, three quarters of a game. And what's changed? What's any, changed? Nothing. <laughs> in any way, if you think, if you think about it, is, is if anything, Brousset being signed as a backup was probably amongst the better backups they could have signed. Yeah. But still, down, down, down. You can make the case young, the D lineman not getting his fifth year picked up, maybe cause a little disgruntledness, and there might be a trade of him. You know, there's talk of him being traded for the one year. I don't think that moves the needle like that. I got second best backup quarterback. Uh, Mariota, I got the best. Okay, I can accept that. So, personally, I'd probably put Brissett ahead myself, but but it's right there, I think. Mm -hmm. Who's third? Uh, Andy Dalton. Okay. What do you guys think of this? Well, uh, Harris will attend Washington's first practice, which is on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And it's not open to fans. And they said something and, else interesting. And he will spend time with Ron Rivera after the practice. There's He will meet with Rivera after practice. Now, when you say the, the guy will meet with Rivera, it implies that, that they haven't had any real communication. Like, they're just meeting. Sounds like it. Mm. More distancing. <laughs> Right? It's like uh, yeah, it's not like I gave him any Re- instructions. Yeah, Rivera- it doesn't, doesn't sound like they've had many conversations already. It says here Rivera has met with Harris since he took over, swapping their thoughts on their individual philosophies. That's according to ESPN. Oh, he so no, yeah. he said Harris told him they'll provide the necessary support. Hmm. Sounds like someone in PR wrote a lot of this to yeah. me. I don't know. I'm I agree just- with you on this whole thing. Like I, so I don't. Do I. I don't think Washington has any reason to be good this season. They're not. They, if Washington perform, performs at their peak, they're not a contender. And remember, they were a five-point favorite over the Giants in Week like fourteen last year at home. Right. That was the game that tied. Mm-hmm. Giants weren't great, but I mean, at the time, Washington was playing pretty. They, they were well regarded as a middle of the pack. Team. Well, that's the like even the Giants who made the playoffs were ne- I don't think the Giants were ever a contender to like Yeah, but when you make the playoffs and you win a game, that 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 means I know with Herbert you don't I know, I don't know what it's like. But what I'm saying is it's like to me that's the only way to win the Super Bowl is to make the playoffs. Yeah. 
Right, but I agree that only there, way to win a playoff game. Yeah, there, <laughs> the, the upside is it wasn't necessarily there. Yeah, and the Commanders at that point going into that Giants game, they had won six of their previous seven games. They were seven and five, so understandable. Understandable why they were, they were favored winning in that for, game. You know, yeah. the theory was it. All right, McKenzie writes in. How do you think the think mechanics of inside talks influence betters' odds? Why has Washington moved? What's inside talks? The conversation that you're describing between Rivera and the owner, I understand why that would make them not good. Okay, 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 okay. hmm, That's interesting. I would say it's a couple possibilities. One, there might be rumors about something like this even if it hasn't happened. Right, because it feels so logical. When when I present and, and AJ's like, "Hey, that makes sense," or even you thought of it, it's like that's the kind of thing that moves a market. I'm inclined to almost want to bet th- against them on the alternative and figure if they are really like. I can think of the Raiders as much as I'm not sure that they're not over or underrated now because all the dropping. I'm not sure I wouldn't like to get a big number at minus three and a half or three and a half wins to say if 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 because if, if Garoppolo gets hurt, who's who's up? It's Hoyer. Yep. Who's like 44? I think he's older than Tom Brady. Let me see where I got him. Oh, you gotta have him at the very bottom. Well, you know, I got Jimmy he's, G. High. Hoyer's thirty-seven. I, 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 you're right. It seems like he's been in the league forever. I have yeah. Hoyer four <laughs> points worse than an average. And, and, so he's one of an the average worst backup back. or an average starter. An average, average but but the, the lowest number I have on any of these guys is like minus four and a half. AJ, look up Hoyer's. I don't think he's hardly thrown a pass since since Trump. I think Obama was in office the last time he threw a pass. I have I have Will Levis. He threw four thirty-seven yards last year in New England. Keep going back. I mean, like, when did he throw for real numbers? Uh, last 2017 with the 49ers, he threw for 1,200 yards. So that's the, and what's the most yards since then? 372. It's like one game. He hasn't played more than a game. I, I've got only three backups worse <laughs> than him. Trevor Simeon. He was 29 the last time he threw any real I got Will Levis, the rookie, and I got uh, Sean Clifford for Green Bay. Those three being worse. Sounded like you know who he sounded like right there—a caller that got on air and couldn't believe they got on air, <laughs> and then and then like it gets through the first topic, then he goes, you know, I can read you my backup quarterback. <laughs> he like, goes, Sean Clifford, like Bobo. <laughs> yeah. So when I was when I, when I was in college, we used to we used to call the fan uh-huh. like we would call them like you know like on the way home like from the bars. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And 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 the whole gimmick was we would we would name we would throw out each other's names. So I would call up and I'd talk like a Tony Pager or the Schmooze or somebody, yeah, yeah. and I'm like tw- I'm like 19 years uh-huh. old, and I'd say, "Listen, the Yankees got to bring up R.J. Bell. Like if they don't bring <laughs> oh. him up, it's not gonna it, their, their season's done." And he'd be like, "Yeah, well, you know, a lot of prospects come up because they don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. place that name, but <laughs> yeah, they don't know." I'd say this A.J. Hoffman, he's dominating in AAA Injury right now. Prone. Yeah. Injury prone. Injury <laughs> prone. <laughs> <laughs> There used to be a late night radio show, local radio, Dayton, Ohio, okay. called the Mike McMurtry Show. Same thing as Scott was saying. And so, what they had a whole family calling in. They'd fight and talk like like well, about everything that was going on. It was one guy doing impressions of five different people. Oh, okay, there was a guy on radio that was real famous for well, he, sour shoes. He still does. Yeah. No, no, no. But yeah. I'm saying there was a guy that had a host. That this was maybe. This is interesting, but he was national. He was one of those nighttime guys like Art Bell, but he would do a bunch of imitations and have conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this is interesting. Fez, I'm confused though. How were you listening to this Dayton nighttime talk show? Weren't you on dates at this point? 
No, I was only like 17. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your girlfriend really want to listen to that? <laughs> All right. Let's agree, though, the Raiders don't have much of a backup situation for having the most injury-prone quarterback in the NFL. No, they don't. Yeah. Okay. Let's blaze through a couple more of these teams. Um, <laughs> Chargers. Is the offense going to open up with a new D.C.? I'm skeptical. Oh, I'm sorry. OC. OC. Yeah, I'm skeptical of this because, again, I, Mike Lombardi understands things about the NFL. I don't. I listen to him closely as the one former executive that seems to really speak his mind. And that means, you know, right or wrong, he's not going to be right about everything. And I disagree. I mean, he talks about gambling stuff. I disagree with, uh, you know, 150%. Though he's good at not overstepping too much as the gambling talk. But um, overstepping as in it's not his expertise. Just like he doesn't about, pretend that he's an expert. Yeah, yeah. The GM decisions aren't my expertise. But I would make the case, the thing about Kellen Moore <laughs> with Lombardi, he said he plays battleship play calling. Which was, he says, play one doesn't set up, play two doesn't set up, play three doesn't set up, quarter four, right? The theory is, okay, and Shanahan talked about this in the play college where you do something in the first quarter, you see it doesn't work, or it works, now you do something different in the third quarter to set up something in the fourth quarter. Hmm. From Lombardi's perspective, he, he says Moore doesn't do that. So he understands the modern techniques, but not necessarily calling a game. I take the, give that a lot of credence, though you can make the case Dallas's offense has been mighty good. I don't know though; it, it feels like with the talent, maybe not. I don't know. We, uh, you guys are no more expert than me when it comes to the play. You know the true X's and O's. But what do you guys think? Well, you know, I I said I'm no expert on coaches either, particularly offensive coordinators. But I said. Kellen Moore's got to be an upgrade from but what they've had. Why? Because we're, we're blaming – because remember, let's be candid. Steichen has ended up being maybe the wonder kid of – wonderkin, I think is how they say it – of the NFL um, in the last two or three years. Yep. Uh, right? And he got – however that shuffle happened or whatever. And now there's a guy that was really pedigreed and you could say a made man in the Saints organization that is now being made out to be Bozo the Clown. Yeah, maybe not fair. Right. I mean, so it seems like there's one consistency here. A man named Herbert. Yeah. Right? I don't know. We'll see. But I'm not I don't think he's the the panacea, Fez. Panacea. Got me on that one too. You call me a <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> there was an article in the Athletic about um, the hiring of Kellen Moore, and it it says the the headline was "Why Chargers Hiring of Kellen Moore Is Giving Brandon Staley Vibes of Sean McVay," and it's saying how this is um, you know I, I, I skimmed it about how how Brandon Staley is you know moving on from. The coaches that in the past didn't work, and he's bringing in talent that he evaluates. So he's evaluating Kellen Moore, and he thinks that, like, he's grooming Kellen Moore. Like, he thinks that this could be mm -hmm. somebody, you know, like you talked about before, McVay has an eye for coaching. And this is maybe Brandon Staley spotting out Kellen Moore. But here's the, the question. Staley hasn't proven himself to be a good head coach. So it, it doesn't seem like he, he wants to put himself in the mentor role. 
I, you know, I don't know. Brandon, Brandon Staley's defense is the one who pissed away a 27-point lead in the uh, in the playoffs last year. Well, the offense not scoring hurts, too. They built a 27-point lead. On four interceptions. Okay. All right. That defense got four interceptions. That's true. All right. Let's rapid fire here. The Jags. We got uh, – A.J. found a good list of the, t- the biggest needs in the NFL, right? Open spots. Edge rusher for KC. Jags edge rusher. Uh, a lot of edge rushing needs, apparently. Thank you. Atlanta wide receiver. Saints D-line. Baltimore edge rusher. Chicago edge rusher. So then we said, okay, who's got the most cap money? And amongst those teams, none of them are above average in cap except Jacksonville with money to spend number five right now in the league. So I'm going to say a team that's on the cusp of you know a clear division favor do they get an edge rusher? And there's some edge rushers on the market. Clowney. Good example. Um, is he an ed- is he on the edge or the inside? Yeah. No, he's an edge guy. Yeah. Okay. He's tall, big and tall big. for that. He, 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 big boy. He'd get hurt immediately in the middle. <laughs> yeah, well. Thank you, Fez. Fez, explain the difference between a three technique and a one technique. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of you guys and your, your crazy anti-woman stuff, or... People, right <laughs> people could say that if they didn't understand your true heart. I had a friend that I, you know, well, he's my best friend, but he used to talk back in the day now about he'd be in a bar. You know, he was a football coach. It is a football coach. And he would say, well, in administration, he would say like, oh, she's a three technique. Or look at that one. She's a she's a zero. T- <laughs> and it was, you know, it, let's just say it was it was actually not as bad as what you guys were doing last week. And it was like 25 years ago. But still, I almost feel like I shouldn't have even listened. I'm going to go that that's like calling them a, a three technique, probably worse than saying Jennifer Lawrence is a seven. No, when you just take an aggregate, you guys, as general views. Oh, well, that's a lot of feds. I can't control everything. <laughs> Uh, next up so Jags potentially Um, maybe after week four get better as the year progresses Cam Robinson's out yeah the left tackle suspended that's a good point too Uh, Houston Indianapolis Carolina three rookie quarterbacks will they play in the preseason and if they do how much and what does it mean which ties back to this idea if we feel good about them they play less we don't, they play more to work the kinks out. Especially the last game. The last game, if they're going to be the starter, you know, boom. If, if the coaching staff feels they're good to go, they, they'll sit them, you know, but um, they feel they need the, work. The third game used to the be last, the, yeah. the dress rehearsal. Some teams did the second game dress rehearsal last year. If you're going to do preseason, look at that closely. Zach Martin and the Cowboys at an impasse. I mean, to me... Zach Martin can't sit out because he can, but the fines are onerous. And I think it's a mil. If you pretty much miss the entire camp in preseason, it's a million dollars effectively that the teams are not allowed to reimburse. So I think he might make a show of it, but I'm not sure what he can do if he's not willing to set out the season. Any thoughts on Zach Martin? Yeah, fifty thousand a day. It adds right? up. It, yeah, it does add up. Two years on his contract: thirteen point five million in twenty twenty three, fourteen million in twenty 
24. But the market guard, he's probably still considered the best guard in yeah, the game. Yeah, the highest paid guard is $20.5 million annually. Six-time first-team All-Pro. They yeah, just paid strong. And, they, and they just paid Trevon Diggs. It's a bad look to not pay Martin. So I think a contract gets done but soon. But they paid – I mean, Diggs was on a rookie deal. Yeah. And but now he's like the fifth highest paid cornerback in the league. He's been whatever. first yeah. or second team All Pro every year of his career. That's actually pretty amazing. Because that you think about that, you go through some really good players. So his rookie year, first team All Pro, second year, second team, third year, first team, fourth year, second team, every year since, first team. I, I mean, I got to tell you, if there's any way, if you want to look at history. How good a player is the all not the Pro Bowl, the all pro is is the gold standard, I think. And by the way, Peyton Manning has like double the number of first or second teams than Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, Jer- he, but he underperformed. Raiders signed a three time all pro this week. Who? Marcus Peters. Uh I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sp- do. Spider Rico. That guy's still around. <laughs> Was it was that Mick? <laughs> Remember, it's never talked about again. But he's a bum. But but he's almost delirious. And Rocky won. They actually tell Rocky's record before the Spider Rico fight, and it's like forty five, thirty two, and six yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> that was a gruesome fight. And they they give out the money, and it's like, okay, your take is eighty five dollars <laughs> minus the, the the locker room fee. But but here's like thirty bucks. You know, it's like man. And then he's limping home. That's why he had to muscle for Yazo. Uh, break your thumb breaker. <laughs> when do I fight again? <laughs> you know what's great? <laughs> yeah, that's great. You know what's great is when he goes and then the locker thing happens, Rocky one, is they start screaming at each other from across the room. He goes, who are you talking to? And then he turns, he goes, I'm looking right at you. And, he's, and Mickey's screaming right back. I was a little scared just watching. Uh, intense. <laughs> uh, I got a quote from Jerry 57, Jones. 23 and one is what Rocky finished. That's what he retired at. Is that true? Multiple sources on, on the <laughs> internet. Yeah, 57, so 23, and 1. So what was his one. record before the Spider-Rico fight? Uh, that was a draw. It was 43 and 21. 40 wins by knockout. Were they were they setups? <laughs> <laughs> nah, they well, was no, good was fights. they setups? <laughs> they was good fights. What were you going to say? <laughs> but they wasn't killers like this guy. Hands picks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I never hear someone else do an invitation and think I should jump in. <laughs> Let's see if I can do one that's a half as good that will be louder. Go ahead. Do my homes again. <laughs> um. He says Kermit the Frog. He does. That's a horror. But that's Mahomes. And, every, and, and, and he says um before everything. So it's um. Um. <laughs> there was good fights. Yeah. Jerry Jones said, quote, you have to have agreements that have to be really solid. You couldn't maintain a roster if you reshuffle the deck every year. We've been years now putting contracts in place. you got to rely on the integrity of your contract. Well, that's coming out strong. Yeah. By the way, next week I'm going to make an announcement. I'm going to bring in some audio Mahomes, and we're going to prove what you guys are doing is nothing like it <laughs> and hope it stops it. And maybe even you can listen and try to imitate him and see if you can get close. I'll, I'll practice this. Week. Don't do that, dog. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Come on, dog. And I love your Rocky. Mahomes doesn't work at all. The only right, just the just the um part. Just the, <laughs> um. No, no. I I have full faith that if Scott works on it for a week, it's going to be strong. Well, then then please do that. <laughs> please, whatever you do. All right. 
Last Every SOV episode this week is going to be done <laughs> yeah. in the Mahomes voice. Get it right. It's probably a good week to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. D-lineman for Minnesota, Danau Hunter. There's some consternation. They want to keep him. I think that if he somehow get, forces a trade or sits out, it's a, it's a bad sign in Minnesota. I know you've upgraded them, Fez, off the uh, Netflix show, but I believe that to be the case. Hunter. He reported the camp, so okay. no holdout. Yeah, so who knows if he's going to leave. Mm-hmm. But I hear you. Today, but he does say today was a good step. He's holding in. He's not <laughs> going to participate in practice is what he said. So he's there. He's just not going to get on he the field of practice. Ah, the, yeah. the stationary bike. I'm here so I don't get fined. 49ers got a couple issues. One is Sam Darnold on the team. But two is Purdy in his arm. Will we find anything out in the preseason? In theory, he's going to throw a pass, right? I would think so. Seventh round pick? We're going to be able to tell. Wouldn't it be funny if it comes out and it's like a <laughs> lot? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't it be hilarious? Like Peyton Manning's final year in Denver. But, 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 seriously now. You can give us your cousin if you want, Mackenzie. He comes out and he purposely throws like the, the biggest loop and duck ever. He holds his arm, walks off, and that's all we see of him in the preseason. It's like Dave Trevecki Wind coming off goes the field. Down. But what I'm saying Wind total goes down a game and a half. Then week one, <laughs> yeah. he's zipping the ball yeah. around. That would be interesting. Fez would be like calling in the bat right under, under. <laughs> He's already called in that bet. Yeah. They <laughs> beat right. the Steelers 37-10. He throws for four touchdowns. <laughs> I think we're good. We've done it. All right, now, you guys are shit. What, let's do a little preview of the rest of the pod because if, you know, I have an, uh, yeah, yeah, 1, 1 a.m. I've got an appointment coming up. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're talking Maui, right? What else we got? We've got a Big 12 preview. I can wait for that. And we've got a... J- I'll listen to that tomorrow. We've got some uh, discussion on Jalen Brown becoming the uh, the richest contract in NBA history. All right, I want to hear McKenzie's take on that, because I it will round me up, I'm sure. McKenzie, what do you got? I said this right after they got kicked out of the playoffs. Jalen Brown is the 30th best player in the NBA, and the way the contracts work, he was next up, top 25 guy. I mean, that's what they're going to argue. Let's pay him $60 million a year. I think it's settling. I think you're not going to be a bad team with Jalen Brown as your second-best player. You're also not going to be a great team because you could easily line up just luck of the cards, get two top 10 players, and pay him $60 million a year. The Celtics will never be that good because they're pot committed at this point. Okay, that's a reasonable take. Here's the question. What is the alternative action from the Celtics? Or the more optimal in your mind? I mean, ideal would be to trade him for Damian Lillard and win a championship this year. I'm not sure if Portland wants to do that or if that was an option to him, but to move on. So a Lillard that I think is what? Most have two good years left before the, the downward trend. Not saying he's going to be worthless at that point, but clearly two prime years seems about max, right? Right. Versus, you know, maybe 10 more years of Jalen Brown, but I don't think 10 more years of Jalen Brown is more likely to get you a championship than two years of Damian Lillard with their current roster construction. So in general, if we say, where's Brown as the number two banana fit in the last 20 championships, you think Brown, the average second best team player on a winning team or the championship team is better than Brown? Yes. Okay, so... Is, was this contract for the exact amount that him, him making the All-NBA allowed them to offer him more? Was this the max amount they could offer him? Yes. 
So there was no. So why did the deal take so long? Was there any sense that it was supposed to happen? Expected in like day one of free agency. Why did it take so long? According to Zach Lowe, it was a it was a smaller aspects of the deal, uh, trade clauses, and and the smaller aspects of the deal. Not not the the three hundred million was agreed upon early. So you're saying that Jalen Brown said three hundred. That's good starting point. Now here's my six other demands. Exactly. Jeez. And was there a sense of who capitulated, who gave in to those? Like who won that negotiation? It seems like Jalen Brown got his demands met. So that means that this was an easy decision for Boston. They're going to con- you know, concede those points. Right. Exactly. Like They're so far from my general premise of you can't pay the 25th best player the max money and be the best you can be. They, were, they didn't care about that. They said, we have a top 25 guy. Let's lock him up. Negotiation 101 says if you're not willing to walk away, you don't really have power. And it doesn't seem like the Celtics were willing to walk away. Or do you wonder if they were play, playing that they were negotiating those points, but really back-channeling trying to trade them? And then when it felt it didn't happen, they figure we've got to sign them because we can't lose them for nothing. That would work out better than last summer when they very publicly shopped him, and he did not seem to <laughs> And he, still, like he that. still isn't over that. I don't think he is, yeah. To get traded for Durant seems like you'd be proud of that. Yeah, but they asked him midseason, how do you feel about playing for Boston? How do you feel about playing for the Celtics? He's like, it's all right. No, no problem. And the, and the funny thing is, if you think about it, he will never let this go. Like, that's the thing. A little life lesson here. <laughs> it's a little different in Rosillo's. Is if someone feels an affront to what you've done, if they feel personally offended, like you went against their like you somehow demean them, doesn't matter what you do after, they're always going to feel that. And I, and, I, and I think maybe that's human. I'm not even, you know, I, I try to look at people in because I'm someone that can be good 98% of the time. But when I'm bad with people I care about, especially I can get I grew up in an environment where there's a lot of harsh shit said, as you maybe could guess. And and I really have tried not to do that. But in the moments of true anger, I sometimes will say something mean. Right? Can you believe that, AJ? I've never heard it. And well, you haven't really. And, <laughs> but but the fact is, when I do that, like within literally ninety seconds, without fail, I apologize. Like I might still be worked up for a second, and then I take a breath and say, "Wait a minute, that wasn't the right thing to say." And you know what? Years later, you know, if it's a romantic breakup, it that shit comes out. It's still being talked, you know, and it's like they, it, it, there's something about it that people can't let go of a moment. And it's like to me, if it's 99 to one, I'm not going to focus on the one. I, I don't. Maybe because I grew up in a place where if I did, I'd be who knows what I'd be thinking because there was a lot of those. So I don't know. I think Brown maybe is a lost cause in that, that for the Boston, they're never going to please him. 300 million, it's not enough. You almost traded me for Kevin or Durant. <laughs> I don't know. I think, if anything, that's a time to start over. I kind of agree with McKenzie. I mean, I think especially because he's not going to be happy. I certainly agree with him that a, a two years of Jason Tatum, or three years, whatever it would be, of Jason Tatum and Dame Lillard gives you a better chance to win a championship in the next 10 years than 10 years of Jason Tatum and Jason I'm not Brown. on the Dame. I mean, listen, Dame, everyone loves him. I just small guard. Like, w- He's never won a game in the, at the conference championship level. He doesn't have to be your best player now. It, it, well, I mean, he's not the. I mean, how good is Tatum? Is the question. Probably a is top Tatum, five, six player in the league. I don't know. Where you got Tatum at now, Mackenzie? Number six. 
There we go. I don't know. Who's number seven? Anthony Davis. Well, Anthony Davis healthy is certainly better than Tatum, right? Yeah. But you're accounting for health? His peak form. Yeah, sure. But that's probably never going to happen. Well, it did happen this this offseason or this playoffs. Yeah. You know, Denver, I heard people say Denver was one of the the best team of the last five years. That if you take all the, you know, since the last time Golden State won it, before last time. In the playoffs, certainly. But what, I mean, they weren't that good during the regular season. Well, they grew as a team. But Mm -hmm. what I'm saying is the quality of, the way they were playing in the finals, if there was a five-year round robin of all playoff teams. I agree with that. So, I mean, and the Lakers, you could say it was a sweep, but it's like the Lakers were competitive in most of those games. It was cut. People were saying it's the most competitive sweep they've ever seen. I still mm-hmm. can't get past the, the fact. I mean, Denver's like point differential. I know they coasted the last month, but it was never like north of four against their opponents. Like and like like really like stacked, really great NBA teams outscore their opponents by like nine per game. But 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 the question becomes. Is how much better were they at the end than the beginning? That's a good point. Because they had a lot of new players. I mean, yeah, like they they really helped themselves with the supporting unit. You would say, right? I think you'd have to make that same argument for the more the most recent Warriors championship too. Because uh, part of why we don't look at them as dominant is because they were a three seed. But if they'd been as healthy as they were in the playoffs all regular season, I don't think they're a three seed. I think that that Golden State team is the worst champion of the last five years. I vehemently disagree with that. Really? So, mm. I mean, it was it was the most inept fight. I mean, we had a Boston team that couldn't do enough to choke it away. They 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 kept saying, "Take it, Golden State, take." And they and finally, Curry hit a few I mean, shots. The Nuggets beat an eight seed. Well, when you get the number one seed, you always play the eight seed. No, in the finals, they beat oh. the eight seed. Well, so they got they, to beat two eight seeds. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, they beat the best team out of the East. But what I'm saying is, is uh, well, I don't think that Miami team was any. But here's the thing. Miami could have won. I don't think Boston was going to they, they didn't. There was something stopping them from winning, it seems like. I mean, that was probably the series I most zigzagged on, not in a good way. Where I felt like I thought I had every on the air. I think I had every position in that series. At one point, I said, "No way, Boston can win." Then, like in a couple, I'm saying, "I don't think they can lose." And it was like, it was really a strange series to me. But looking at Golden State this year, I mean, if you look at Golden State two years ago and this year, and Golden State when they won it, these were pretty much the same teams. It was and, just a matter of who, who was healthy and win. Yeah. So what we're saying here, in three years, there might have been three weeks that they could have won a title. And it was the exact three weeks they were playing, let's be honest, some unimpressive team. Who did they beat in the conference championships? Mavericks. Oh, my God. The, the team that didn't make the playoffs this year. That Listen, Steph deserves it. All the things. He's the best ever. He, he helps orphans and children. <laughs> he's great. But... I think he's doing an Orca Wales thing this year, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's taking golf balls out of their blowhole <laughs> just to save them. And I'm telling you, to me, that was the worst. I mean, that was just a – they deserve it because, in a way, they are great all-timers, but it was a confluence of luck because this is literally a team that hardly could make the playoffs in some spots. I don't know how – what would they – Well, but the Nuggets beat an eight seed, a four seed, a seven seed, and an eight seed. <laughs> there wasn't one moment of the playoffs you thought the Nuggets could lose. Like, at no point did you think, I can see how they're going to lose. Right? Was there? One moment. Be right before Game 5 tipped off against Phoenix. And it was 2-2. And they, but you were pretty confident. I mean, I think I had a bet against yeah, you. You were, you were pretty confident on the Nuggets there. 
Yes. Yeah, we were. I was. We were ridiculing Mackenzie. Over but it was. I mean, that was. That, that, I'm, I'm just giving you the one point. Right, the that, point. that there could be some uncertainty. And at the end of that uh, game, there was no, no questions no, it's left. Done so, yeah. So I mean, that's all you can ask for. You know, yeah. is is they pretty much they got the number one. We're all talking about they didn't do enough. They got the number one seed, and they went through the playoffs without really a competitive series. The, the Warriors didn't have a competitive series. Huh? They were down in Game Five in Boston, and they never lost time. again. But what I'm no, no, what I'm. I, Isn't that the same as lost enough debates today? All right. No, we can keep going. But what I'm saying is, there was was that game, was that Game Five or Game? It was Game, game Four. Was the Big Curry game? So they in were down Boston. two to one. They, they were, were down two, two to one. Underdogs. Yeah. They were in Boston. Yeah. And they were down at halftime. Yeah. Pretty much a bad spot. Okay. <laughs> in, right. in Game Three. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. At any point in the series, well, they didn't get to play the seven seed and two eight seeds. Like they had to play good teams. It was unfortunate. But what could for the them. Nuggets have done better? Given that those were the teams they were Nothing, put in front of. I mean, the Nuggets were really good. I just think discrediting, like trying to discredit the Warriors, is wrong as but well. They're the fifth best championship out of five isn't. Dis- I'm not saying they should have it revoked. I'm saying they they it was. A, let's just say this, Fez. If you could. Uh, have a a time machine and pull this year's Denver team against that year's, you know, exactly how they were playing in the playoffs, do you think Denver would be favored? Yes. Yeah, I think so, too. But again, I don't know, Mackenzie, what do you think? I mean, he's the guy who really knows the NBA. What do you think, Mackenzie? I, I definitely agree with you. The Warriors were a one-man team, which almost never wins a championship when it gets to that part. Andrew point. Wiggins was really good add. in the playoffs. Yeah, I, sure. I disagree with I that. Agree with that. Let me add. Of course, Denver would be favored. Now they wouldn't be favored if we if they were if if they had to play before winning their championship. Yeah, We've if we took a, that's why we have a time machine. Yeah. yeah, I mean the theory is how were they playing at that at that? You know how we say like probably the best team ever was the Golden State team in seventeen, and then maybe the Bulls were the second. You know, like we say, you know that's always the battle. And remember the, the how the the Warriors were viewed going into the playoffs versus by the time they got to the finals, like their power rating had jumped dramatically. Except it doesn't happen. Meaning that, that that power ratings don't hardly change during the playoffs. You don't think they did that season? I, I, I think they did because of the history of the team. And, and I mean, Fez, well, you'd agree with that. Like, it's shocking. The, the, an- the anchor, um, we talk, yeah, we talk about series and how the anchors just don't change. And this was true with Miami. Like, like, like Milwaukee it, kept, well, they kept laying nine, you know, hosting Miami. And it was the same thing in, I mean, like, literally against Boston. It kept, same thing. It was only game four that it really swung against Boston because of the whole sweep thing, you know. But, but you know, listen, I, we know you and Steph. If you, let me ask you a question. If you, Steph, and Herbs could go on a camping weekend. How much? How much? How many years of your life would you give? A year? I, none. No. No. Zero years. You, would you give a week? No. That's stupid. No. I. Don't. I would give a week. That just, as long as I had, you know, if I could speak my mind. Okay. <laughs> You're saying for three days with Steph and Herbs camping, you wouldn't give seven days at the end of your life. No. Could that be? That I don't want to say stupid. Could that be the least smart thing I've ever heard? Yeah, the last week, <laughs> you know, the, you could make the case the last week of everybody's life, you probably don't even want to be around. Well, if you die when you're really old. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, car crash or whatever. But I'm saying most of the last week, you're probably in pain and suffering anyway. If you die, you know, yeah, I agree. You know? I agree. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess that gets to be too metaphysical. You know, I didn't mean it. I'm just saying people talk about a year of their And I think you're saying it like you would certainly do it. I don't think you'd want to go camping. 
I think the idea of you sleeping uh, outside for three days, like at this point in your life, doesn't sound appealing our, our, to you, no matter who it's. I'd, I'd be at the Four Seasons. Okay, yeah. yeah. They're, they're going to be at the Palms at the at, at yeah, the. Yeah, my at, fantasy at, at that. <laughs> That's your fantasy. I don't want to go camping. What's, what's the suite with the basketball hoop? At the I'm Palms? big on air conditioning. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Steph would like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't want to play him in horse though. Most people, I'm ready to take. But yeah, I was going to say. Apparently, they said that his his brother's better at horse. That's the big, you know. That's an interesting thing. And then I'll say adieu is, I think, is what would be your dream week of people alive? Wow. Where would it be and what would it be? So I know mine would have to involve Dylan. And who else would it involve? You know who I think? I actually think if it was going to be like an intellectual um, uh, kin kinship, you know, it would be, I always mispronounce his name, but the guy who wrote The Black Swan, Tlaib, is a guy that I've never spoken to, interacted with online even, but I think, I feel like I think the most like him, or at least I aspire to, and I think him, me and Dylan at the, uh, no, we'll be at the win. No, the encore. Yeah, that's it for me. Again, this is, you know. Just saying. <laughs> what if he, if Fez goes, Pam Anderson, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Fez, what's yours? Elizabeth Hurley. Yeah. Liz Hurley and I. Uh, come on. Da- come down, on. In, down in Dana Point, and we're going to go to. I don't, I don't even want to hear this. Go ahead. Tell me for real. No, there's there's like this seafood place, Las Brisas, that's like in Laguna Beach. We'll go there and uh, by the. Um, Say hi to Mrs. At, Fez at sunlight. Tonight, okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Scott? I don't know. I mean... You? The captain? <laughs> Jeter? Yeah, probably. I'd like to take right, some, we'll do this for next like week. Everyone some, needs a lot I, of I think here. taking BP at the old Yankee Stadium with Derek Jeter. For the weekend? <laughs> just just a whole fantasy, you know, he shows you how to feel yeah. short. Pri- private hitting lessons, but it has to be at the old stadium, too, you know, the which doesn't exist ball? anymore. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. and but you could say it could be any place anywhere. It's just right, a dream. Right. But, but Jeter, how, Derek, how would it change if it's slow pitch softball? Yes. You know, you yes. <laughs> Mackenzie, you got one now? You want to wait till next week? Uh, Tupac's dead. RJ, I get to talk to all the time. Aww. I'm good. I'm that good. Was, that was good. He's getting sharp. Can I also add uh, maybe like a sparring lesson from Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sparring or acting? No, no, no. I'm good with the dummy cards. <laughs> I just want to spar. Vez? Tom Cruise. Dinner with Tom Cruise. Romantic? I fine. Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Take my breath away. Every time. <laughs> What's that jukebox song for? <laughs> I've lost that feeling, Scott. <laughs> and I, th- would you give up a week of your life for that weekend? To, to spar with Sylvester Stallone yeah, or yeah. to take BP with Jeter? Yeah, yeah. I, I would. Well, yeah. AJ, do you want to? It's different when you have kids. You don't have kids. Scott doesn't have kids. Your kids kids are going to be sick of you by this point. They might be. (laughs) All right. So, boys, I'm going to let you take it from here. And uh, I think we did our part. The only question is, yeah, I think we throw the time shift on the back of this one. Because I was going to have a third episode. We'll see. If you guys go long, you can make it three. We'll see. All right. Now, from here on, you'll see how less funny it is and less insightful. But, hey, listen. I don't judge. So we continue our 
uh, our series where we break down one college football conference every week leading up to the season. We've done the SEC. We've done the Big Ten. It's Big 12 week, and we're going to give you our winners. We're going to give you a dark horse who could potentially win the conference, and we're going to give you a forced over and a forced under uh, in the Big 12. And Scott, I think we're looking the same way at the top, so I will give you honors to talk about who we expect to win the Big 12 this year. Yeah, it's Texas. Um, They're the best team in the conference, and it obviously shows their win total. They're the favorite to win this thing. It's the final year in the conference, and I think that means something for them. Um, We've heard or we've read the quotes coming from their program about how uh, special it would be to leave the Big 12 with a title before heading to the SEC. And I think that it's something – I don't want to say they put extra pressure on themselves, but I think Sark's got something to prove. And before they head to the SEC to leave with a conference championship, something that, you know, it's been eluding them for a little bit, I think that it would be a big statement as they make the jump to the big leagues. Something that helps – is Oklahoma, who is normally the big bad monster in this conference, uh, was down terribly last year. I think we'll be down again. Mm-hmm. We'll get to here in a little bit. At least I'll get to. And TCU, the team that was the best team in this conference last year, had a full reset. So the competition, like, I think Texas is good, but I think the competition around them has fallen off to a point where it's, it's, you got to reach to to think about anyone else winning this conference. And Texas always has high expectations, but it feels like they're more warranted than they've been in a long time. Losing Bijan Robinson hurts, but they've got a full stable of running backs ready to take over for him, including the number one running back recruit in the country this year, the number one running back recruit in the country from 2021. Like they've got horses. Uh, Quinn Ewers, I think, is going to see some natural progression, and he showed some great flashes last year, including that breakout game against Oklahoma, 49-0 win against Oklahoma. He also laid some eggs, uh, the losses to TCU and Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. But unlike last year, if he lays an egg or he starts to look rough or he gets hurt, there's a viable option standing on the sideline waiting in Arch Manning or Malik Murphy. Uh, for that matter. I think it's more likely that Ewers is in Heisman uh, conversation, particularly with Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington returning, and then they bring in a transfer wide receiver from Georgia, A.D. Mitchell. That's big. They're also adding Isaiah Nair, who they got through the transfer portal last year, never played a game because of an ACL, but he was a 12-touchdown guy in 2021. I I think the offense is going to be humming. Defensively, the biggest loss is Gary Patterson. Played a huge role in turning things around. I, I thought it was big of Sark to bring in mm-hmm. a, 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 a head coach who had more experience than him uh, and and to have him around the program. He's moved on, but I, I think most of, it, most of the talent is returning. Texas led the nation in QB pressures last year. They returned three of the four defensive line starters. Loaded with returning seniors at linebacker and in the secondary, as well as adding some. They added safety John Catalan from Arkansas, uh, Wake Forest corner Gavin Holmes. Uh, so they're going to be even better in the secondary, I think. And from a power rating standpoint, Texas is going to be favored in every Big 12 game, likely by more than a touchdown. So this, it, again, 
you've got a team who's probably going to be one of the top two teams in the conference. You've got a ticket to the dance more than likely. Uh, I think it makes some sense to have Texas as your champion because it, I think if you ask five different people who the other team is going to be in that championship game, you might get four different answers. Uh, so Texas at plus 105. I also think an early season test against Alabama is going to make the the conference schedule seem that much easier. So uh, we agree, Texas to win the Big 12. So major changes in the Big 12. I um, am not up to speed in four new additions. football as you guys are. Can you summarize what the current – I know there's 14 members and what's the format, who gets to play in the conference uh, title game? The top two teams in the standings at the end of the season – uh, we'll be playing in the Big 12 championship game. And, yeah, we, obviously there's been some additions. Uh, Houston, 14 teams now in the conference. Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and Central Florida added to the conference. And, again, this will just be for one year. After after this year, it'll be back to being an actual Big 12. There will be 12 teams in the conference. Who who thought that was a thing, having mm-hmm. like the number you say? Uh, but yeah, so it, but it's going to be the same format as the last couple of years. Top two teams in the standings play for the Big 12 championship uh, because they, they they don't all play each other, and it's still just one big group. There's not they're not divided up into divisions. So provided that Texas drops one game and not more, there'll be a lock to be in the championship yes. game. Correct, and they might get there even with two losses. And their road conference games at Baylor. The game at the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma, at Houston, at TCU, at Iowa State. Like, likely, I, I don't, likely one loss, right? And they lose to Alabama. If that. If that. What, what's the – one more question on method to my madness. What's their team total for Texas's 10 wins? Uh, I want to say 10 and a half. I'll pull it up, the, uh, the most updated thing. I looked at it earlier in the week. I haven't looked at it. This week, but I, I the last time I, I saw, I think it was ten and a half. Where I'm going here is I want to compare betting them to win the Big Twelve to betting their season win number and see nine and a half, nine and a half, minus one forty. Yep, because it's it's ten and two is what they're because right. they're yep. underdogs. They're underdogs at Alabama. They're a seven point dog, I believe, in that game. So they're gonna lo- they're gonna lose to Alabama. What's just, and then they're and, saying and, maybe and you let's know. say let's say they lose two more games in the Big Twelve. If they lose one more, they're gonna go to the Big Twelve title game and they'll be favored. If they lose two. Then you lose your season win bet. I know they could win against Alabama. It's certainly possible. Um, but if if they do lose the Alabama game, where I'm going here is that if they go with two losses in conference, they probably would go down to tie breaks whether they're going to make the title game, and they'd still have a decent chance to get there, right? Yeah, no doubt. So yeah, I, I like to win the conference more than I like the, the win total, uh, even though I do think they're absolutely capable of beating that Alabama team. And if they, if they beat Alabama— I think so, too. They're seven-point dogs against Alabama in the uh, look-ahead game of the year lines. Uh, other than that, I mean, the game against Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl, they're six-and-a-half-point favorites. And again, they beat them 49-0 to zero yeah. a year ago. I, I can honestly see 11-1 and one for this team. It wouldn't shock me at all. All right, where are you going? If you had to pick a team, not Texas— where are you going for your dark horse? At remember our rules, we said five to one or greater is yep. a dark horse. So at five to one, I'll go Kansas State. And to me, it's about Will Howard at quarterback. He's an absolute star, and this is a program that has arguably one of the best offensive lines in college football. They have that Texas game at home. So if there was, oh no, they're on the road. Excuse me, at Texas. Uh, Their road games in the conference this year, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas, and Kansas. If they win that Kansas game, 
there's a realistic opportunity, the realistic chance they're re- they're rematching against Texas in the Big 12 championship game. Other than that, they should be able to run through this conference schedule. I like Kansas State. I went a little darker of a dark horse. I went with Texas Tech at 12 to 1. And they've got to be feeling good about what they're bringing back this season and how they closed out last season. They won their last four games under new head coach Joey McGuire. They bring back one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, Tyler Shuck. And coordinator Zach Kitley will get – he hopefully gets a full season out of Tyler Shuck. And if he does, you may know that name, Tyler Kitley, because – or excuse me, Zach Kitley, because he's the guy who helped Bailey Zappi become a household name a couple years ago So uh, at Western Kentucky. And speaking of Western Kentucky, they land one of the top offensive line transfer targets – that was in the portal, uh, Western Kentucky center, Rusty Stotts. And defensively, they return a ton, they return a ton from a team that led the, led the Big 12 in sacks, uh, finished top 10 nationally in red zone defense. There's some things to like about this defense at a school where there's not usually things to like about the defense. The entire secondary is back, uh, and it, in, a, a good chunk of the defensive line is back except for Tyree Wilson. That's a big loss, no doubt. Guy goes uh, in the top of the draft. He's a, he's a big player. Tech gets three of the four conference newbies and misses both Oklahoma schools. If things break the right way, it's feasible. They could end up in the title game, and with 12-1, to it's real easy to hedge out. Mm-hmm. In fact, they play Texas last, last week of the season. regular season, so you could probably start to hedge out even earlier if you need to, if you don't think they can beat Texas. So it, it just gives you some opportunities to get out of this thing late in the season. So uh, Texas Tech plus 1,200 would be the dark horse that I'd look at. Win total over. What's your favorite win total over in the Big 12, Scott? I have two of them. I have two overs and one under. Okay. Now, I have a feeling that you and I might agree on one of these overs, which is why I prepared a second over. I like that. Because? Because my, my over is my best bet for the podcast. Okay. Is it Houston? It is. I see. I Obviously, you're a Houston guy. I know you. I know. I, Houston over four and a half, it was my over. But I said, damn, AJ's a Houston guy. He knows that program so well. He's definitely going to take Houston over four and a half. So I prepared another over. Thank you. But I will say on the Houston front, uh, Dana Hogerson infuriates me to no end. Yeah. But they should start the season three and one, beating UTSA, Rice, and Sam Houston. Yep. And that's you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's a UTSA they, is a maybe I'll say. I got sure, I, sure. I, I, I got I to chime in. I got to disagree because that's a pick'em game against UTSA. So you can't say they're going to start three and zero when they're starting out zero zero and one right right off the bat. And there's a chance they could lose at Rice. Hey, you're right. Oh, okay. there, well, there's a, sure. there's but a very slim chance they could lose at Rice. I think Donovan Smith coming in from Texas Tech at quarterback. I think the offense is going to be fine. Bottom line, I like your Houston. I'll let you explain why you have Houston over four and a half. But yeah. My, my over. Why don't you just go ahead? With I'll your go Houston and do that. Yeah. Then, and then I'll give you my my over. So Houston loses Clayton Tune and Tank Dell, which is big. But you mentioned Donovan Smith bringing him in from Texas Tech. He's got I mobility. Think that man, he can run. And they brought in a running back, Tony Mathis from West Virginia. They added one of the top recruits in the country, wide receiver, uh, Michael Harrison Pilot. And they add that to Matthew Golden, who is already one of the big risers from last year at wide receiver. The O-line brings back, brings back a ton of experience. The defense is bad with Houston. There, there's a reason why they're set at four and a half. The defense is bad. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, but the schedule – you mentioned, you know, they play the easiest schedule in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. They play Rice and Sam Houston in non-con. 
They get UTSA, TC, or rebuilding TCU, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and the projected last place team in the Big 12, West Virginia. They get all those games at home, and they catch TCU early enough in the season that maybe you're catching the Frogs while they're still in the, the early stages of their rebuild. So I think over four and a half, is the number's just too low for a team that is bowl eligible damn near every season. And I do really like that home game against Cincinnati, a team you'd think that that would be a challenge. They're probably going to be, what do you think, minus seven in that game, even more? I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if it'll be a full touchdown. Since I, he's way down, right? It, since he's way down, yep. for sure. But so is Houston compared to yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. All right, my over is going to be Kansas over, and this is rare. It's a flat number, six. Yeah, you don't see those. We're we're using DraftKings numbers. That's the most widely available to people. And I love it because I think at worst-case scenario, this is a push. Uh, Kansas over six is minus 125 on DraftKings. They are one of the most experienced teams in the conference if you look at their returning production. They have a superstar quarterback in Jalen Daniels who missed four games in the middle of the season last year that happened to coincide with when Kansas started losing football games, right? So it's no coincidence that he gets hurt. That's when they start losing. They were 5-0, and and he was playing like a Heisman frontrunner. The defense returns. They should be better. Looking at the schedule, if they beat Illinois at home, they can start the season 3-0. and At worst, they can be 2-1. and They have BYU as a winnable home game, UCF as well. I think they just need one upset on the road in order to eclipse this number, in order to get them to seven wins. It might just take one upset on the road. Six and, and five, and they'll be playing at Cincinnati, and you've got a free roll for And there you go. That's again. I the wrote, number being on six is certainly appealing. I wrote down reason. at the end. At the I wrote down here. Worst case, this is a push, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because literally, as Fez said, I think it could be six and five going to ten to Cincinnati final game of the year, and that's that's not even an upset. They might depending yeah. on how they play this year, they could be favored in that game because I think Cincinnati. Fast forward to my uh, under Cincinnati under five and a half is my play. Uh, but if they can upset, you know, a, a win on the road against Oklahoma State. Or Iowa State, because again, look at the start of the season. Missouri State should win that game. Home to Illinois is tough, but if they win that, they'll beat Nevada and be three and zero. BYU at home, winnable game. Love that you get BYU at home. You don't want to have to go to exactly. Football. And then at Texas, obviously they're dogs. Home to UCF, winnable. They'll be underdogs at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, they're underdogs already at home to Oklahoma. This is going to be a fun team to watch with Jalen Daniels at quarterback. And I think, again, I think it only takes one upset win to get this number to seven. Don't disagree. All right. Since you uh, you already since gave out. That under, yeah, why don't you go for it? All right. Cincinnati under five and a half minus 155. I talked about Kansas being one of the most experienced teams in the conference as far as returning production. Well, Cincinnati is the lowest. Only seven starters return for this program that is in complete transition. Luke Fickle out. Scott Satterfield in. New system. They're going to put new conference. New conference. <laughs> new system. They have one offensive lineman back from last year. This is a complete. And it's not like the offensive linemen that they have this year are guys that were in their program. They've rebuilt their offensive line through the transfer portal. So these are kids that are coming into a new school, new conference, new system, new teammates that have to gel together. 
I think it's going to take time for this team to gel together before they actually start playing good football. We could, Emory Jones is probably going to get the start at quarterback. He's the kid that was at Florida, and then I think he went to Arizona and had some off-the-field troubles there. But he's now going to be their starting quarterback, and that's probably good because with a bad offensive line, you need a quarterback that's going to run for his life. The problem is... They're going to put too much pressure on on Emory Jones. And I'm not talking about the defense is putting pressure on him. I mean the coaching staff. Uh, it's going to put too much pressure on him to win football games for them. They do have wins on their schedule. But do they get to six? I don't think so. I, I don't think so either. So I, I endorse yours. Uh, on For mine, I'm going to go under on Oklahoma. Nine and a half wins is where the number is set at. You know I love me some Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, well, Dylan Gabriel took his team to a uh, six and seven record last season, so uh, mm-hmm. not great. The schedule's there for Brett Venables to get Oklahoma back to where they were, but I don't think the personnel are there. And what's funny is Brett Venables, this great defensive mastermind. I think the offense is actually pretty solid. You mentioned you mentioned uh, Dylan Gabriel; he was decent last year. He won Caleb Caleb Williams light, which is kind of what they were hoping he would be. He wasn't that, but he wasn't bad. Now he's going to be without Marvin Mims, though. That's a big deal, who's OU's leading receiver last year. Uh, I'm not going to hammer on the offense too bad, though. The defense, disgusting. OU had the worst pass defense in the conference last year. This is the craziest stat I found about Oklahoma. Oklahoma allowed the most first downs in the country, like more than everybody. Think of the worst college football team you could think of. Oklahoma gave up more first downs than them. That's they they are a disaster. And on top of all that, they lost their best corner from last season. Jaden Davis, he goes to Miami. It, it was always going to be a rebuild for Oklahoma after Lincoln Riley left. I don't believe it was a one-year type of rebuild. I think Oklahoma improves on what they did last year. But getting back to 10 years this quickly, I think, is is too much of a leap. So Oklahoma under nine and a half is my favorite win total under. That's fair. Um, This offense is going to be better. I think another year under Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel can only make it better. Uh, But they were certainly not a Brent Venables team last year. I think it takes a special kind of linebacker. I mean, you you see most of those linebackers at Clemson are Mm -hmm. in the NFL Mm -hmm. now. Uh, and I, I don't think those guys are easy to find. And I think having to rebuild this team. Listen, if they are upset at Kansas, first off, it goes great for my Kansas over and wins. Okay, let's make it. But let's shake on that and just have that game Kansas win. I would love that. Okay, because then I'm going to hit my over. You're going to hit your under. That's a that's so, a that's a win. I'll win tell you there, what, Scott. Right now, we have a game of the year line on that. I think it's Kansas is six and a half point home dogs. Give me Kansas. I, well, I, I I'll wait till that. I'll to wait for that. I'll seven. wait till that. Go. I'll wait till that seven. Right, Fez? You know, this is asymmetric risk, so to speak. So, if you like a plus six and a half on a game of the year, et cetera, yep. All things being equal, go ahead and wait because who cares if you bet plus five or plus six and a half? Yeah. But then you're going to feel like a fool when it goes if, to seven. When well, it, oh, it could go. It could, it could go to eight. You know, and and, and the, knows, the Oklahoma six and a half is minus one fifteen. So it's moving. Yeah. So um, I'll wait for that. Seven. I fully endorse your Cincinnati under five and a half. I can't tell you what state of the union Cincinnati resides in, but I can tell you that, um, you know, I listen to other pods and other experts and the like, and if there's a consensus team that is going to suck compared to expectations, and it's somewhat built into this number, Mm -hmm. but uh, under five and a half is a consensus wise guy. Everyone's betting against Cincinnati. And quick question, Fez, where where did you grow up? What state? 
Uh, Dayton, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. I don't Ooh. know what state Cincinnati's in either. No. Uh, you, you, I hear you, you've got some, uh, some new stuff on totals. We've been talking totals with you on the pod. What do you got for college football totals? Yeah, so we've been talking about how we like to play early season games under. Uh, specifically, I'm going to call these Week Zero. Are you ready for this, Scott? Mm-hmm. And week one half. Whoa. Okay. So week zero is Saturday, September, September, uh, August 26th. Week one half is Thursday and Friday. So that's the end of August mm-hmm. slash September 1st games before the full slate of Saturday. So if you go went back last year and played every one of those games under, you went nine and two. And going back in 2021, you played all 16 of those games under 13 and three. That's 22 and five. That's a pretty strong trend now. Now, the week ones go under more than over as well, but the week zeros and the halves, and it kind of makes sense, even less time for the teams to get ready. Um, maybe the kids not back from um, or necessarily from their summer vacation, school starting late, so maybe not as frenzied a crowd as well. Um, they're already betting these games under. The average total two weeks ago for the week zero games was 53.1. Now it's 52.4, so... More often than not, the total stayed the same or dropping. Same thing for the week one half. These are the Thursday and Friday games. The average total was 52, and now it's ticked below 51. And don't think, don't compare those totals to historical averages because these weeks, week zero and one, are significantly lower scoring than they are other weeks during college football season. So you like the Notre Dame Navy under in Dublin? Yes, under 49 and a half. And, you know, there's one wise guy I spoke to that actually says – he thinks that Notre Dame's offense is going to be much better because this Hartman guy is apparently the second coming of, you know, um, I, well, he was the Wake Forest quarterback, yep, I Sam believe. Hartman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the always dangerous when I start talking about players, AJ, you know that. But he thinks that the Notre Dame offense could be way, way, way better. So that one is, I'm, I, You're I, lukewarm I, I'm a lukewarm on that. Under, but I like all the unders, but I'm lukewarm because of that. Notre Dame laying 20 in that game. Weather may not be good. Who knows? You know, mm, Dublin, Ireland weather. Not sure about the August twenty sixth weather in Dublin. I think I, with the travel in general, like uh, playing a game over there, I wouldn't expect it to be mega high score. I think the Northwestern Nebraska game got to fifty one points, but if I recall correctly, that was because of an ill advised onside kick. It was because of by the Nebraska team. <laughs> they they say every person has one story. That, that defines them. That, that encump- yeah, that, that most, like, if you could say, like, what was that person like? You tell that story, and you've told most of them, right? I think for Faz, it's the famous, well, that was off air, we said it last week, right? It was, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was. So, you know, a lot of you know this one. We'll say it quick. So, when we were on Fox National, um, it was about 11 months that I hardly, you know, I didn't miss any shows because it was, you know, obviously new and gung-ho and like didn't take any vacation at that point. But then it was like July and I had like three weeks of vacation. So I said, I'm going to take a week, you know, take the week. So Fez is in with Jonas Knox and Jonas was, you know, the co-host of the show and he, he was the lead in regards to like bringing it in and all that. Well, I guess I brought it in, but with different things. And Fez was the third seat, typically, so he wasn't handling any of that. Well, this time, Jonas you know, handled my stuff, so Fez was still the analyst. So Jonas brings it in, first show ever that Fez is on without me, on the national thing. And Jonas gets ready to lead, get into the Vegas lead, and Fez says, Hey, Jonas, real quick, I got a question for you. 
And <laughs> you're thinking, wow, this got to be good. Like he's breaking the formatics. Mm. And you're thinking, this is his chance. In a way, he's had his whole media career to get ready for this. You know, what lessons did he learn? Was his instincts right? He said, you know, Jonas, I hear you like Hawaii. I like Hawaii a lot, too. I just got one question for you. Why Kiki or the rest of the island? And there's just a dead silence. <laughs> and what he was trying to do out of nowhere, and we'll get his reasoning in a second, was he started a national sports talk show. And it's not like Hawaii just had like an earthquake. Well, explain your thinking fest. The context was that Jonas had just returned from Hawaii, and I believe he even disclosed that. So it's possible that people knew he had just come back. This from is Jonas Knox just back from Hawaii. I don't think he's the type. He was never the type to tell you. Possibly where, not. He was uh, just back from Hawaii. He may not have said it. Exactly. Yes. But but so you figured there was a chance that the people know, and you figure now. Did you know he was at Waikiki? I did not know. I knew. Did you know he visited places other than Waikiki? I, also known as the rest of the island. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was on o Oahu. That's all I knew. Okay. And that's the best part is like, this may have been like the dream vacation for Jonas. This could have been like the best week of his life. Mm -hmm. And then come to find out, oh, you weren't on Waikiki? Oh. oh, so in a way. It wasn't even that great, Bubba. That's an interesting point. So you're saying you are a Waikiki person. No, I like both. No, no, but you're one you or the, the other. Question, you say Waikiki or the rest of the island? You think there's a delineation? Well, there is because there's <laughs> there's they're so different culturally. Exactly. Yes. So, and you like Waikiki? I do like Waikiki. Right. And you knew he was at some other place that wasn't Waikiki. He was probably on the North Shore. But yeah. he was at some other place other than Waikiki. You said you knew for sure. I did not know. You said you just named the place you knew he went to. Oahu is the, exactly. the, the Oahu is the entire island. That's Honolulu. not Hawaii, isn't the entire island? It's one of it's one of the seven islands. So the Honolulu is on the island of Oahu. You know why don't we start every show with this this <laughs> conversation? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> isn't there eight islands? Not seven. They call they call Vegas the ninth island. Well, that, it's like yeah. it's like Pluto. Pluto is was no longer yeah. a planet. R.I.P. Pluto. <laughs> so you got yeah. Uh, so, but let me ask you this. Let's say somehow, some way, you thought this was vital for the national audience to know about. Do you think it needed to lead the show? No. <laughs> Maybe like his things are, you know, as if we're like, okay, going to the next break. Hey, Jones, real quick, you know, no. And now I'm doubling down on the same concept during the podcast. And you know why <laughs> this came up in conversation? We were talking about SOVAM and thinking, hey, it's done well. How can it do better? Having a strategic talk. And a couple of times, like AJ or Scott said, you know, Fez thought, I go, ho, ho, ho. Is this about a bet? And they're like, no. I go, we don't need to hear it then. <laughs> Fez's programming abilities are Waikiki or the rest of the island. We lead him to water, and then he, he drinks really well. I know? think that should be the name of his podcast, <laughs> Waikiki or the rest of the island. And that would be about as popular as that first segment <laughs> yeah. on that sh the radio show. I, You know, in a way, he committed to it, and he did it. Like, if I would have thought, should I say that? Should I would have done it in an, in an innocuous place, a place not to lead. I mean, it, it's possible this age as well. Like 20 years from now, if I'm still alive, uh -huh. people will be like, ah, oh, that Fezzik Waikiki the rest of the he, island. He was irreverent, that Fezzik. <laughs> All right, well, that's the last time Waikiki is ever mentioned on this. No. 
Zero <laughs> chance of that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We might get T-shirts. Speaking <laughs> of that, we got a friend that that's came in, a fan of the show. He's kept up the uh, streak of our intelligence. Listen, I don't want to. If you're most pe- people have a sense of where they are in the intellectual spectrum, right? You'd think. Yeah, you'd hope people are, deli- but is it like, 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 like their looks, like everyone's a seven, like the average is a seven with like hot or not type, but by definition, the average is a five, right? Do you think with intelligence, fives think they're sevens? No, I think pretty, people have a pretty good understanding of where they are. Yeah, I think so too. But I think what they do is they just make the smart people out to be assholes. That that's very true. Yeah, so it's like I'm I might not be all highfalutin with all those big mm-hmm, words, mm-hmm. but I'm no asshole. Yeah, is that how you do it, AJ? I ain't got all them fancy book learnings y'all got. <laughs> yeah, because the the dumber you are, the more relatable you are. Yeah. What would we do if someone came in to visit the show and it was outwardly dumb? Would we ignore it? No, they well, just talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> No big deal. That's it. It'd be like it'd be like you and the guy who relates to me. Yeah, get along a lot better. (laughs) You like barbecue too? Yeah. (laughs) You ever do the the Texas tour? (laughs) I smoked a pastrami this weekend, by the way. I brined it. I told you no sex talk. (laughs) I mean, I. (laughs) Oh, Fez. By the way, when I was out the week before. Oh, dear. Seven. Here comes the seven. What the hell were you doing? That's another example. Why? What were you thinking? I only saw I saw the movie Don't Look Up Here with Jennifer Lawrence, and they and they dummy her down. So I had no idea. Now, that what do you mean dummy her down? They'd make her look normal looking, not hot. Mm-hmm. So I have a I have a bad power rating on Jennifer Lawrence. I've upgraded But if you her. know enough to know that that was her dressed down... I, I didn't know that. I did research you after. You just thought this was the first... It's the first time you ever saw her? The first did time think, I ever paid attention, yes. Do you think that's what Leo DiCaprio looked like also? I, d- I wasn't pay- I wasn't rating Leo DiCaprio on well, his luck. He's, he's a four. <laughs> well, they dumb him down. He's yes. got a pot belly. How does he get all those young girls? I don't know. You ever... You want to rate Leo's girlfriends? I am comfortable rating them as nines and tens. Yes, you do understand that even shows like how like is there any show on earth that is still rating women like they're like they, they, no, I don't think there is. Is there? <laughs> and the funny thing is, if you ask Fez, this is back to the whole intelligence or looks, what our self assessments are. If you said Fez, how much are you supportive of women? Like you know the freedoms and the the you know making sure they have every opportunity. You know. He would pontificate for 10 minutes about, I mean, it'd be very vague and it'd be very, you know, generic. I am extremely positive. <laughs> and to be fair, I explained that my look scale is logarithmic. So a seven is 100 times more attractive than a five. It's like earthquakes. But you're not hearing me. Now you're talking about their weight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <it's> so, <laughs> I mean, here's my question, though. It's not what the rating was. It was the act of rating. You see, you're yes. dehumanizing poor, and you don't think they have enough to overcome? I mean, what I'm saying is society's built to, to oppress them. Haven't you seen Barbie? Have you seen Barbie? I've, I've seen saw. the ads. Did you go see Barbie? Before? thought it was great. Who'd you go with? I went with my girlfriend. Saw, Bar- saw Barbie. I can accept that. Yeah. And did you, after, did you say, I agree, patriarchy's horrible, like anything like that? I wasn't thinking of that. I came out of the movie thinking that it was clever. Uh, and time to funny. get laid. I took my girlfriend to Barbie. Yeah. 
that too. <laughs> now comes the payoff. <laughs> but 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 did it bother? Because it's become a real political thing. Yes. Did it feel really political to you? No. The movie was. You don't think they were being political? No, I understand the themes that they were. But getting do you think into they were being political. Not overly political. No. For a Barbie movie. Again, I enjoyed it as entertainment. Mm-hmm. I'm not Ben Shapiro upset? giving a 45-minute rant about Are it. Are you upset right now? Well, I did watch Shapiro's 45-minute rant. I watch watched all of the it. entire No, no, no. But, I mean, I'm not—it didn't affect me as much that I'm giving a rant about it. I thought yeah. it was funny and clever and well-written. What did you think, Faz? I haven't seen it. You don't support women's the women empowerment movement? I watched Mission Impossible and I thought the actresses in it were gorgeous. How'd Margot Robbie look one to ten is the real question Fez wants to know. <laughs> I don't know, AJ. Who who's running the show last week? Who who takes responsibility? I, I don't remember. Who brought I, it in? I think it was Scott. Oh, two weeks ago. Yeah, I think Scott was running the show. I he was running so. he was running point. I don't I think did so. say Margot Robbie was a ten though a couple weeks ago. But we don't rate women here. Personality wise. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> what do you think of all this, Mackenzie? Uh, I think it's very illuminating. In what way? That Fez, uh, you know, loves women, respects women. Is is that what you think, rating them like cattle? And also wants to be one of the guys and wants to be, you know, jocular as well. So you're really blaming yourself, Scott, and AJ saying that the general... Mm, ethos around here the the feelings are of one of you know women are rateable yeah mostly aj just as general you know vibe again i'm the dumb one this is just what i do and I, the truth of it is let me this is the god's honest truth if fez wouldn't have called jennifer lawrence a seven rj would have never found out about this because it never would have become an issue it would like if if fez just said oh jennifer lawrence is a nine we would have just breezed right through it if, if rj finds out it doesn't change the right or wrong of it no, he's, of course saying, it he's does. saying that it wouldn't have been a conversation. It w- yeah, it wouldn't have been a discussion. Because exactly. it like it would it, we it still would have been a rating if he would have said she's a nine. Right, but we wouldn't have gotten it wouldn't have taken more than 30 seconds on the show, which it turned into a, a two-minute conversation. Way, you're on the, the one show. that told me about it. I know. Because <laughs> it became a it became a memorable topic on the show when Fez called Jennifer Lawrence a seven. Well, when Jimmy the Greek was talking about slavery, it was memorable too, but it didn't help his career too much. Touche. <laughs> Listen, I don't know if these days, I mean, it does, I mean, there still is Miss America, right? They still get numbers. Still yeah. and still rate them. So, but I don't think they're ever, even back in the 70s, they weren't rating them on looks. I mean, like, none of the categories is would you they ask They have for? a swimsuit competition, that's, and they show the number. about their healthy bodies. Okay. I mean, I'm saying, I'm not saying <laughs> it wasn't. A, a beauty contest, but I'm saying even they had the sense to understand in the, like the 80s, we can't just say TNA, nine. You know, I mean, it just isn't the way it works. Even in the 80s. It's like, is it 40 years later? I it's thought irresponsible that- journalism is what it is. <laughs> <sighs> what would your girlfriend think of that conversation? Uh, I wouldn't call her woke, but uh, okay, yeah. so that's a good. Uh, yeah. that, 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 would you, do you think like if you said, "Honey, I want you to come into the podcast taping. Uh, we're gonna have Fezzik rate you." She'd be up for it. She would. Yeah. <laughs> Is she hotter than Jennifer Lawrence? Beauty is objective or subjective. <laughs> Your attorney, I advise you not to answer. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I might still have a shot with Jennifer Lawrence. So. <laughs> can we at least? Can, I mean, she's only a seven. You could get that. Can we at least agree with the following? Fed shouldn't be deciding topics. 
of, of, of any broadcast show. If anything was learned from that show, it's that. <laughs> and Fez, one thing with you. I actually don't think you're the kind of person that wants to rate women. So don't try to be what you think the boys want you to be, because you're just going to be a nerdy version of it that gets in trouble. No doubt. <laughs> just be yourself. And, and uh, Mackenzie, when you get a girlfriend, you let us know, and we'll see if Fez wants to rate her. I think she. I think he has. <laughs> and it was a good rating. Thanks, man. Help my ego. Yeah, you should have heard what he said after. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're talking NFL, and this was one that we, let's be candid, we struggled with a little bit before the show. And again, Fez dozing off a few times might have affected prep. But we said, what is the key thing this week is that training camp's open. And we thought, okay, what's the next big time after that? Well, hey, I mean, the big, big time is the season starting. Game's played. So now the question is, what can we learn between now and the kickoff Thursday, Thursday night kickoff. We know the games themselves won't tell us a ton because in the last few years, there's been a rampant move towards not playing starters much. But can we take away what we hear in camp? Can we take away from the comments? We know it's going to be pro in general. These teams hype up. I mean, we heard something, Scott, about Trey Lance recently, right? Saying, oh, no, that was McKenzie that said, I can't tell you who said this, but they are higher on Trey Lance than they've ever been. Is that is that a fair quote, Mackenzie? Matt Mayoko, NBC Sports, said that. Yeah, Matt Mayoko said that. Now, here's the question: Is he from ha- uh, Waikiki? Rest of the island. <laughs> He's a rest of the island kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's the question. By the way, I'm keeping track. That's one time since we said it would never be mentioned. That's one. <laughs> Get a big jar of jelly beans, and then with that, yeah. You know, one time, I'm going to tell a quick story. One Day at a Time was a show. Now, they actually remade that later. Like, I think Netflix did. Did you ever watch One Day at a Time when you were a kid, Fez? I think I did. I think your parents might have said it's too risky. Remember Schneider? Schneider had oh, the cigarette. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I related to him. Schneider yeah. was like his dude with a little, like, porn star mustache. I mean, and, and he used to have, go around in a white T-shirt. And he was a guy, not a wife beater, but, like, you know, one with the sleeves. Mm-hmm. And he would wear vests, like leather vests, white T-shirt, and he was the handyman. Yeah, he always had his belt on. He had a belt. A belt. And, Fez, you related to this guy. And he had this. No, no, he had the cigarettes going. Yeah. Now, you related to him, though. Still, though, Fez said he was a four. He wasn't worth anything. But but <laughs> what was interesting was he was always hitting on every like single woman in the place. And then the One Day at a Time crew had a single mom. Valerie Bertinelli was mm. in it when she was in – like she was young – and um, and then some the, the older said, and I remember this when I was like seven years old. They said, when you get married, every time you have sex, the first twelve months, the first year, put a jelly bean in a oh. jar, and then the rest of your marriage, when you have sex after, you take a jelly bean out, and they say you never run out of jelly beans. You following that? So you put one in. Uh-huh. Every time for the first and year. And then you take one out. The, the, the joke is you're not really taking as much taking any out. No, no, no. <laughs> the first year, every yeah. time you have sex, you put one in. Yeah. Let's just say a hundred jelly beans are sure. in there. Then after the first year, every time you have sex, you take one out. So mm-hmm. now the next time you have ninety nine. Ninety so you'll have more sex in the first year of your marriage yeah, than in the, all yeah. other years combined. Yes. 
And I was a little kid, like thinking about that, and it was it was a little bit um, traumatic. I mean, made you I, not want to get married. No, it just, I didn't really understand it. You know, it was like it was a very again. That's why I thought Fez maybe wasn't allowed to watch it. It was very risque. You think that's true? Fez, was that true for you? I'm doing the math. <laughs> now, what would have been funny is if he goes, if I can stay married another 10 years, I think we'll make it. You know, that, that would. <laughs> but AJ, what do you think? Not true. Not true. No. Hmm. Okay. All right. It had a good theme song, too. I've never even heard of this show. I have. But uh, then they had yeah. a revival. But I think they were Hispanic. Like it was a big deal that it was a multi multicultural kind of revival. That's a big deal about Snow White right now. Snow White's not white. Uh, I think I don't think Snow White's white, and not all the dwarves are white. <laughs> it's very bothersome to some people. Are you going to downgrade her, Fez? <laughs> Valley Bertinelli gets a ten in my book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> now the funny thing is, you would think if you're grading everyone high, that's okay. But it's just like gambling. You know how they say that um, if a guy's betting on his own team, you may say, well, what's the problem with that? Well, it's mm -hmm. like what happens if he doesn't bet? Then you know. Well, if you say like a value Bertinelli's a 10, so-and-so's a 10. What do you think about Jennifer Lawrence? No comment. <laughs> you, you see how even that's a problem. I see that. <laughs> Snow White. So what's she going to be? She's a uh, Hispanic actress. Oh, so this isn't a cartoon? No. Oh, I'm fine with that. That seems reasonable. Because, like, in a way, if we're saying, oh, all the Indians uh, back in the day were played by, you know, non-Indians, it's like, or, or forget that, because that's extra. So in theory, you'd want to, you know, why not, like, let that group benefit from it? But, like, the idea that, like, uh, Al Pacino can't play Scarface because he's not from Cuba. Right. Like I don't like that at all, right? I want it to be art. I want it to be art. So if she's the best, you know. Now if they went out saying we're only gonna look for Hispanic actresses, that seems wrong. But it, it seems like if, if she was the best one, that's I kind of like that. Yeah, but that's what a certain population of this country is accusing, you know, Disney of. Is now they want to make it diverse like they did with the Little Mermaid and. Oh, yeah, but you know what though? That's the same argument people make in the opposite when the Rooney Rule was just a sham, and they always wanted to hire a white person anyway. We can't know what's in people's hearts. What we got to do is put things in place that at least allows for the possibility of fairness. And then we all, you know, my grandfather, uh, you know, his um, uh, some of his siblings were born in Italy. He was born here, but like the family was that you know, Italian, at least, you know, as they came over and he loved Italian, you know, he, he said, he used to talk about how he was, you know, uh, I don't think persecuted is the word, but he was like uh, prejudiced against and, you know, Italians had to stick together back in the 1930s and all that. And when he finally became um, a guy that hired at the, uh, he worked at Wheeling Pittsburgh Steel for 33 years. Then he went to another steel plant because they forced him to retire and he became the, the general foreman. So he was the guy that was hiring for the whole plant. And he said, I always try to hire Italians. And it was like, you know, when he was saying, he's like 92, you know, so we we're listening and saying, that makes sense. And then he starts laughing. He goes, one day the government came in and said there are too many Italians. And I said, look at this guy, John Smith. He's not. 
And they looked and go, you know, you're right. Okay. And supposedly they went away at that point. But then he goes, what they didn't know was his mom, his, his grandmother, his mother's maiden yeah. name was Giancola, you know? I, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it was hard to blame him. <laughs> well, you know, in a weird way, if a group is oppressed, they're the ones that it makes the most sense for them to stick to, you know, to try to help each other out. Cause the theory is, you know, they're kind of been hurt, you know, but I don't know. I hope she's the best actress is all I'll say. Ben Shapiro. How did you catch wind of that? Was it like it a Twitter made its thing? way around social media? Yeah. I saw something on Twitter where he was taking the picture by the, the uh, poster mm-hmm. and he had like his notebook ready to go. And it, it looked like he was ready to take some notes. Uh, what do you think of that, Mackenzie? About about the whole um, thing with Barbie. I don't think you could make the movie about anything other than poking fun at the patriarchy and social norms. I don't understand how you could make the movie other than being political in that way. But would you say poking fun? Did it seem like it was fun? I haven't seen the movie from reports, but yeah, it seems fun. It seems like a lighthearted, like what if life was actually like this for Barbie type type of movie. I understand the concept. Now, Fez, I bet you could imagine a Barbie movie that was what was an ironic. I could see a porn par- Barbie movie. <laughs> That's the, essentially Jeez. the other way to go. You know, Fez. Is I don't know why you even. You knew what was going to happen when you asked him that. He says, "Be honest." <laughs> you know what's funny? Fez is like Vince Chase after the car crash. <laughs> it's like somehow something's changed. Did you hit your? When you hit your head on that window, there you go. Oh my, it changed. Because <laughs> he never. I mean, did he talk like this the first six weeks you were here? Nah. No, there's something that's changed. It's a Jim Carrey movie, Liar, Liar. Remember where he suddenly, like, there's something happens to him. He, just has to, he tells the truth mm-hmm. no matter what gets asked of him. Even was when that he Jack knows, Black? Even when he knows no. socially, oh, how, okay. socially yeah. he should be lying. He just can't. Mm-hmm. That's what Fez is now. He's like, no, you, he'll lie if there's money to be made. Oh, maybe. <laughs> there's an exception for his. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I hear you. The only problem is, Mackenzie, you got to wonder if you're a conservative parent do you think your kids are getting indoctrinated yes if you're going to them with the movies the, the hollywood agenda is out there it just exists sorry sorry kids <laughs> tough luck half of america <laughs> well they're on strike now somehow they're not making i mean that's the, the quakers are safe they're not getting indoctrinated that's true though i've seen pornos with quakers <laughs> where <laughs> Where exactly? On Fez's phone? Okay. <laughs> now it makes sense. No, I saw one that was really good. Uh, look up this. Uh, I think they're called uh, actresses. Poor, I mean, I don't want to say like porn. Starlet. No, adult. I'll say adult film star. Okay. What I'll say. Um, her name is Mackenzie Moss. And she's in. And look up Mackenzie Moss and. Quaker. And let's make sure, because I'm going to give a recommendation. I just want to make sure that's right. All of Pennsylvania is listening real closely right now. <laughs> I, don't, I would be willing to bet they're not. <laughs> well, they don't. Are they allowed to even listen? No. Yeah, that's one. If we're going to make fun of anyone, make fun of the Quakers, because they're not affecting revenue at all. <laughs> all right. So anyway, and tell me when you got that, McKenzie. And you might want to put it up on mute on the, on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that all started because we were talking about our guest. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. We might have to time. Shane's shift. smart, so it doesn't none of it applies. 
Well, none of it was. No, we were saying if someone that's what, Yeah, well, that's what it was. It was like, can you imagine I, if? I think you were talking about the slogans that he brought in. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about that, too. Right? Because, we, well, no, that wasn't the lead thing. We were talking about we have a smart visitor. So I think generally, since almost all of our visitors are smart, we don't even have to give a warning. Like, I was going to say, if you're not smart, don't come in. But that would bias the selection pool. And if you're listening, you are smart. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I, honestly, have we had one even average intellect come no. into I don't think so. So fire, a longtime fireman in California, courageous too. I don't, I don't think I have that on the, you know, I can be courageous with ideas, but I'm not running into buildings burning necessarily. You could have been a fireman, I think, except every time you run more than 10 feet, you blow a knee out. But mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever think of that? No. Hmm. You're really injury prone. It's not, that's not true. The first time you ever did a jump as an airborne training, you blew out your foot in a way that you could never really do it again. I do a lot of things that... But that, you would say, is injury prone, right? I don't think so. I mean, it's a weight. like See, it's something that... example of when people think they're a seven. It's not self-aware. Exactly. Yeah. I guess so. Like, you know, I've been it, injured fighting and jumping out of an airplane. It's not like I'm falling down the stairs. But aren't there a lot... No, no, I'm not saying that you're... you're, you're that you have like some kind of disease of like you can't, you know, like you can't walk. I'm saying for an athlete, I mean, let me ask you this. How many people in your were in your crew that was jumping that day? Uh, 85. And how many of them only jumped once? One. No, more than <laughs> one, but some of them jumped. They didn't want to jump anymore. Like they, they were scared. Yeah. Okay, which, again, I'm not. Judging that, but how many weren't physically able to jump? Again? I, I jumped the other four times. I kept. Oh, jumping. that's true. That was it. The, you got to wonder. See, that shows he's injury prone, but he's tough as nails. We got to give him credit for that much. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't. I went back. <laughs> but I didn't disclose my injuries until after. You got to wonder how bad the injury would have been if you would have just went in and had him fixed. Oh, I thought about that. <laughs> I thought about that. So what we know is he isn't super thought out. He's injury prone, but he's tough. Like Kirk Cousins. And he's <laughs> RJ, I'd say you're courageous, though. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. There was one instance we were at your your house. Okay. I, I was dropping off. I can't recall. Mm-hmm. And there was some. There was I wasn't some, cutting the grass, and I let was, I no, there was something, the neighbors. There thought. was something in the neighborhood that was amiss, if you recall. Uh-huh. I don't know if it was a car that was like like hovering by your house, and like okay. and like you literally were like we like we're we're, we're walking, and you're like I'm gonna go see what's going on out here. You know, damn, like, I like, sound like like Sipowitz. Like you're gonna grab the baseball bat <laughs> He's like, uh, and see what you know, what are you doing you know hovering by my neighbor's driveway there what's that clint eastwood movie where he's like get off my lawn uh, 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 the G- grand torino grand yeah. torino yeah <laughs> no it wasn't that I, was, <laughs> I will say this much and this is a true story and this was a while back and uh you know i was single and you know there was a girl that i maybe knew for six months was we were hanging out and I, you know i've had a uh a, you know i've had a gun in the house like I guess when I've lived by myself the whole time, right? And um, Glock 9's my preferred. And yeah, that's right, right? No, a Glock 19. I have 19. Does that sound right? Yeah. I figure if I, but I'm thinking, I'm getting a laser 
a laser sight. Oh my god, I'm so good with those. I've shot. Oh my god, it's like a video game. I I, I think you're. Are you talking about, like you have a Glock nine millimeter? Yeah, no, it's a, it's got nineteen. It's a no the Glock. Yeah, it's a Glock nine millimeter with nineteen in the clip. I think. Okay. All right, so it's a Glock. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not an authority on guns, but anyway, so I have it in a place that's you know quick to get if I need it. And I heard a rustling outside, and there might have been some other girl, but something that was a boy. There might have been cause for me to be on high alert, I'll just say. This was, again, a while back. And I, yeah, that's it. G19, yep. So I just, um, I jumped up, like, and, like, took a couple steps, grabbed the gun, and headed down the steps. And, again, it. It's not, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a fucking, uh, you know, guy that could be a cop or something, right? Okay. So it was nothing. So I come walking back and honest to God, like she told me like, she goes, I thought that was so hot. You know, <laughs> and it's just like, you know, there is something like if guys, you know, you, you just, if you're a guy like me, you're hoping that it's like, oh, they like very smart or they like very, you know, you don't think, you know, the guy who's going to grab the gun and rush towards trouble. But again, I didn't think it was real. And I thought that he probably wouldn't have a gun. So I think I'm doing pretty well if it happened. But it's like, uh, there's something in people or, you know, girls or whatever, whoever's attracted to the guy. Bones, I think it's in the bones that there's something about that. But the fireman might be able to help us with that. You know, he's like saying no with a big, <laughs> smile, with a big smile on his face. Yeah. But I mean, like New York, you got a, whole cultures in New York built around that idea, right? Yeah. The idea of being the protector. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Somebody says the wrong thing at the bar, you, you know, you stand up. Yeah, I'm the type that would call my muscle in or something. I would, you know. It's time to find a new bar. But no, no. I mean, where I grew up, all the bar. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. It's funny. I guess in a way I've got proper respect for danger because I, you know, grown up in a coal mining area, there was, you know, it wasn't going to be guns usually, but it was going to be fights. It was going to be roadhouse. Yeah, well, not with knives on the boots necessarily. So that's a great movie. I mean, who are we kidding? All right, we are going to have to time shift officially. Because <laughs> I think 40 minutes to start the show. It's just a way to kind of get stretched out. But this is going at the end of the show. Fez, I think we can just have you take us out here. And then we'll go back to the beginning. Fez, take us out. Hey. Hey. Be careful out there. Especially with guns. <laughs>